Well, it's very interesting. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, June 27th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 212. This is No Agenda. Reading the letter from the Pope to Pedo Bear. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center, and Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where we're getting a glimpse of summer, but not much of a glimpse, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. And in the morning to you, my in friend. In the morning to everybody and to all ships at sea. Yes. And moon bases. Hello. Always got to say hi to the guys on the moon base. Yeah. You do. <laughs> you definitely do. It's uh, important. Yes. Hey, you know, we forgot something on Thursday, and I'm kicking myself because it was such a bit of real news that I can't believe we didn't discuss it. Which? Which was, well, because it, it'll be on again tonight, because it was the, the premiere last Sunday of The Real L Word. Oh, yeah. No, I kept seeing that on the on the schedule, and I had, I'm had thinking, what? Who cares? What? <laughs> Remember, for some reason, it wasn't even compelling enough, that title, for me to even figure out what it was or care well we talked about it on the show we played we tried to play the promo remember it was supposed to be like it's a reality show about real lesbians yeah oh right. it's so bad wow that's i mean shocking but i mean they didn't even show any lesbian sex not a, not not a nothing well they're not gonna show sex on tv no, anymore what do you, but i mean all this other they're cuddling Ugh. Ugh. were they giving what you're talking about were they smooching in bed, you don't even see it. You don't even. You, I don't think you, we saw any anyone kiss at all. What? What good is it? I know, my point exactly. What good is the show? <laughs> and it's like it's a big deal everywhere you go in Los Angeles. There's billboards, the real L word, uh, and they're all naked on the billboard. But forget it. If that they're naked on the billboard, but not on the not on the show. show, not on the show. No, <laughs> it's like a huge jip. I hate it. <sighs> well, everything here. So you were looking like forward to it, out. I take it. Well, I was, but after like it's an hour long show too, and 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 you know for the premiere episode, you got to catch people, you got to get no, their no, imagination. The, it has to. The premiere episode has to really be suckum. Yeah, no, it was suckum is what it was. Totally <laughs> lame. It's unbelievable. But then we didn't miss anything. You said we missed it. it was like no, we missed, we, we missed talking thing. about it. That's all. Well, mm. It's yeah. obvious that we have a second sense about these things. Yes, we knew it was going to suck. Hey, did you tweet? I didn't tweet. Crap. Yeah, of course I did. I always tweet. <sighs> uh, Just retweet me. Now, there's a concept. You hit the little button that says retweet. Boom. Okay, but then at first I got Although, you know, that, that, that's not the same as a... There's two, that kind of retweeting is not quite the same as the... Uh, is posting with an RT. Yeah, but you don't even do a link. You're so lazy. You just do put w- a link in there. It says www. It's not a link if you don't put HTTP in front of it. No, no. If you put www, it becomes a link. Hmm. Let me do it now. So while we're in the break here, let's talk about our two executive producers. Okay. I want to thank uh, our two executive. One is an executive producer. The other one is a uh, associate. And our executive producer for today's show, and uh, Adam will tell you why this is important in a minute after he figures out how to use Twitter. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, done. <laughs> All right. Ra- Rakuten, Rakuten, or 
or Konstantin and Rakuten. Kong, there, hey, there's the uh, 916 right on time. Yeah, Toronto, Ontario. Konstantin. Constantine. Constantine. Constantin. It would team would have an E on the end, wouldn't it? Yeah. Rakuten. Constantin. Rakuten. No. Okay. He's Greek from Canada. Keep up the good work. That's it. At $333.33, which is at least one of three necessary installments to uh, get you knighthood uh, and a ring in the future. John, let me just remind you right at the top of the show. Thank you very much. And then we have paid. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, t- he gave you a whole pronunciation guide. Yeah, paid snakes. Paid snakes. He, he's got it pronounced paid, P-A-I-D. How's that? Or, or P plus eight, Pate. Pate Sneakers. Says it right there. I'm not saying P plus eight. It's it, here. I, ha, I have an email that, say, that says it right here. Well, I'm looking at the comments. Oh, okay. In the morning, John and Adam, this donation is applied karma credit. Recently, I got my buddy Tim a job at our company, decided to donate a bit of the finder's fee. Oh, that's nice. To ensure some karma for others to follow. Nice. As a as a side note, a couple weeks ago, I started the No Agenda Diet, ridding my diet of all products containing HFCS, that would be high fructose corn syrup, or any other nondescript corn and soy additives in yogurt drinks, for example. I've dropped at least 15 pounds in the process. Let's hear it for the science being in. <laughs> Hello, science. <laughs> the science is in. Nice timing. Uh, something happened you're, to my. You're on this. Something thing. happened with my science. Oh, uh, one of my sciences went away. It's not like you're giving Q. I'm cueing you to use the sound. <laughs> Let you're me on be the box. Let me be clear. He says, "I love the show. I'd like to thank you guys for making me think for myself about pretty much everything." Well, that's very cool. Yes, Pate, that's what Pate we Snakes. do. Our Pate. job is to get free you from your shackles. It's, uh, you know, Mickey was, uh, she, she's with the super actor class. And, uh, uh, hold on a second, I'm just writing down sneakers, sneakers, sneakers. There we go. Um, and they have this intensive weekend, and they all, you know, hold hands, tell each other a secret. <laughs> well, let me just dodge something being thrown at me. No, but this is like super, super duper all working actors stuff. And, uh, and they're all freaking out over Obama. Of course, they all voted for Obama, and they have lunch, and they're all, they're all upset, and they, and they don't know what to do, and they're really angry. And then uh, the leader of, uh, you know, the, the, the instructor, the guru, Eric Morris, he says, uh, ah, you know, everything, the whole world changed when Kennedy got killed for the military-industrial complex. <laughs> As he puts his revolver down next to him. <laughs> true, true, true. And then, and Mickey, and he's like, yeah, you know, the, uh, this is, the, that Afghanistan, it's all about oil. And then Mickey jumps in and says, yeah, and the poppies. And, you know, like, you could have heard a pin drop. No one, <laughs> no one got it. Like, she should be sure, quiet. Sure, sure. I know. And you. she's like, and I, I shut up after that. I said, that's probably smart. Of course, that's what you do. You <laughs> shut up. But she, but she promoted the show, so they all should be listening this morning. They yeah, were like, what was yeah. the name of that? Noagendashow.com? Okay, yeah, yeah, and then we'll, we'll yeah, go listen to they, that. I think they've already turned it off. So, <laughs> after uh, the L word conversation, they were gone. Yeah, all of these guys, <laughs> like, sexist pigs. What? This is, like, what, what is this shit? What is Who is Mickey hanging out with? This is no good. So anyway, I want to thank our executive producer and our associate executive producer. Anybody who wants to get wait, into wait, wait, that. No, wait, is is Pate an associate or is he an executive? He's an associate. Oh, I thought he was an executive. No, no, no. Oh, Const- I'm sorry. Constantine's the executive, and Pate <clears throat> is the 
is the associate. And then I want to thank uh, Brad Doherty for a, a valiant effort. Um, although I'm not quite sure it's usable anymore, but he uh, was able to acquire Let's Vote for Jobs dot com. Yeah, I saw that. <coughs> Excuse me, and he's forwarded that to uh, no, <coughs> noagendashow.com. dot com. I think that's cool. It's you know, I, I don't hear them saying that much more anymore. Yeah, the, the meme has they, it's kind the, of passed, the memo right? came out. The meme says, "Let's drop it. Yeah. This isn't working. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Out. It's humiliating." <laughs> and there's these two guys and doing we, the show called No Agenda <laughs> that keep mocking it. So let's drop it. And, and by the way, there's just no jobs. jobs. That's, there are no jobs. <laughs> there are no jobs. So you might as well stop. So uh, thank you very much, Constantin uh, Rakatib. Am I saying that right? Rakatin, Rakatin for. Uh, Supporting the show, being our uh, executive producer, and Pate Snakus for being our associate executive producer. Please feel free to put that on your resume, in your email signature. Um, it, uh, it does bring you karma, and it has been known to get jobs. It's an official credit. You can, uh, you can list it with pride, by the way, because we're not just some jabroni outfit. You know, we're real. Right? Yeah, in fact, um, but we should mention that Pate's from Amsterdam, and... Uh, uh, we need to visit. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I do. No, I'll tell you why when we get to our Gitmo Nation Lowland segment. All the rest of you out there, there's something you can do. It's very simple. You need to help us propagate the formula, which is also simple. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. That's right. All right, everybody say it together now. Shut up, Snake. And uh, help us out with this uh, process by going to noagendashow.com, click on the donation link or dvorak.org slash NA, and please do it today. Yeah, because we're a completely listener-supported show. We will not stop for ads. Completely. We will Except stop for lesbians, if, if they make out. You will. <laughs> not just any old. We're supposed to run them over. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, John, I, what happens is you say these things from time to time and then I get the crap emails. Hey, you know, you guys were talking, you, you said this, Curry. I'm like, no, Dvorak said it. I didn't say it. Because they know I, it's in jest, but you're thinking it. <sighs> All right. Aye. So we have a, a bunch of weird things that happened this week. Quite a few. Not to mention the uh, the super elites of the world spending a billion dollars to secure themselves of protesters in disguise in Toronto. You know, yeah, the, you know, the, the billion, the, let's just stop. Is this really true? I mean, everyone's reporting it. I've got BBC reporting it. I've got Canadian news reporting it. A billion dollars. That's a thousand million dollars. I mean, that's the, that's the amount that it's going to take to bail out a whole country of Greece. I mean, how, how can you need that for three days of, of jabroni sitting around smoking and drinking beers? How does that work? How, I mean, this, this has to be like a security. payoff. That's must, it has to be a payoff to security companies. No, that, can't not, be that, that, that number seems ridiculous. And if that's the case, Canada should be ashamed of itself. I think I they are. A, I think the Canadians are freaking out over this. It's ridiculous. A billion well, dollars. John, wait a minute. Just stop. We say it too easily. A billion dollars. A billion. On I, I, what? I mean, you, you could construct a whole uh, a titanium cone over the G20 summit for, the, for that kind of money. It's crazy. I don't get it. How, well, how, I think the number is erroneous. 
Yeah, but every, but the news like BBC is propagating it. They're, they're reporting it, and you'd have to presume that they have at least checked. So you can play Toronto Action, which is the direct report from the G20 summit uh, from local news station 680. To maintain that, and that's something we're going to continue to do. All right, Constable Wendy Drummond of the Toronto Police Department, thank you very much for joining us live here on 680 News this afternoon. Thank you. 680 News Time 416. We're now going to return to 680's Carl Hansky. He's uh, live on the line. He is uh, close to the burning police cruiser. Carl, what's, <laughs> what, what's happening now? My police have now moved forward. They're now moving protesters back along Bay Street going north. They moved from the south side of Bay and out of here to the north side now and, and moving people away from the middle of the intersection. Before they uh, started doing that, you can hear them banging the batons on their shields. Hey, John, can you understand what the guy's saying? Yeah, I can. What is he saying? He's saying the cops are coming here and they're going there and the and the car <laughs> the cops cars on fire and okay, you don't the cop right. car is made of gold because they spent a billion. I'll listen to it. I want to hear the rest. I want to hear. For the police out of the way again, not being confrontational whatsoever. They're just uh, telling people get out of the way, moving forward, and the crowd was booing at some point. But there's still hundreds of onlookers here. I don't know what these people want to do. Hang out here for. Fun, but there's some protesters in the room. There's just regular people who are downtown here, just standing here to watch, taking pictures, lots of cell phone cameras going, lots of cameras going. Uh, right now, the officers have got the north side of the intersection and a line, and then they've got a line heading across uh, the south, across other parts to prevent people from coming. It's very hard for it to. Okay, anyway, the point is that there's activity. But what I thought was interesting about the report, which is kind of like in the subtext, is that all these people gathered around where the cops were and where the protesters were and where the you know the tourists are out there. He said there were hundreds of people holding up their cell phones obviously putting on movie mode right and it's like this is the this is the new interesting trend that's going to start taking place during these events because everybody's cell phone nowadays especially all the iphone users would be typical of a protester mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what is that supposed to mean i'm not sure myself but anyway <laughs> that was really poor uh, just because because apple won't send you one for free so anyway, they hold up these. I didn't. I've never asked for one. So they hold up. Who needs the aggravation of AT and T? So they hold up these cell phones, and they and they're obviously taking movies left and right. So now the police, and you know, and that's one of the reasons, of course, that all the police around the country are trying to make it illegal yeah. to take movies of the police because you know they're going to be caught doing stuff, and which is shameful. What's interesting and, is uh, you know just listening to this report from six forty a.m., which you can listen to them streaming as well. Uh, they're they're they and it sounds no better, by the way. <laughs> right, but I was watching uh, CNN and Fox, and they all were using like you know WiMAX or G three based uh, systems. You know, no, there was no it was like there was no satellite trucks up there. It's like there was a complete shutdown of media. They had one you know one guy standing on the street, and the, and the connection would keep breaking up and. And then the the fo- the Fox host would be like, "It's amazing that we have you at all, you know, coming in from the riots in Canada." You know, it's like, come on, you can make plenty of satellites, and it's like, and it's all crappy, and it keeps fuzzing out. No one had a clear picture, I, I, and it was weird. Of course, they didn't actually want to show anything because there Low was budget. There, <laughs> no budget because it was with the weekend crew. Like they didn't know there was going to be all kinds of crap going on up there, and under the new law. Which uh, this this I found rather interesting that um, there was a five member panel who passed a law, uh, which is the identification uh, law in Canada, 
specifically targeted for the G8 G20 summit that if you uh, are asked for your papers within a certain perimeter of or certain distance from the perimeter, the security perimeter, you have to show them or you'll be arrested. And uh, people who didn't show their papers got thrown in a, like a wire cage jail. Like, oh, go sit there, slave. And, and this law was passed with a five-person panel published on some obscure government website, and it's law now. You have to show your papers. The people up there are in trouble, man. They've got a Gitmo state. The Canadians put up with a lot of crap. Exactly why they would allow this event to take place in Toronto in the first place, which interrupted everything going on. Uh, why they? It's not like bringing in the you know the Olympics or a Super Bowl or something where you can actually show the benefits and so far as like how much money the locals are going to make on all the businesses that because all these people right. all these tourists coming in. Right. This isn't bringing in any money unless they unless the G20 gives them a billion dollars. It's just causing damage to property. It's causing riots. It's causing you know destruction of public property like the police car. It's causing you know ill will. Bad Bad feelings. So why do you why do you choose to have the meeting in your in, in your backyard? You have to be idiots. Who says anyone has a choice up there? They have any choice. Just, the point is, why is the government choosing to, to take a beating on this? Why does what what is what's the, what's in it for the Canadian government to have this meeting in Toronto? These meetings should be on islands. Well, let's uh, let's be very clear. The, uh, the government is just happy to conform to the wishes of the queen who really runs the country and who was running the whole... This is, these, these are the true, I think, if you look at the money spent on security and you look at uh, the, the shroud of secrecy, these are the true r- rulers of the earth. These are the people who really make it. And it's not just Obama and Sarkozy and uh, little Timmy Geithner and uh, Merkel uh, no, it's, uh, it's the bankers who are up there because they're all talking about finances and how they're going to screw everybody. It's, it, I, you know, a billion dollars. <laughs> it, 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 it slays me. And Obama came bearing gifts. He had a huge gift. Uh, I got to play this for you. Um, so amidst all of the uh, uh, oil spill cam coverage, Thursday night legislators... Uh, United States legislators stayed up for uh, 19 hours of nonstop negotiations to pass what I am calling the Federal Reserve Empowerment Act, or what the president is calling protecting the little guy. Uh, But essentially, um, everything is now rolled up, and I've read the bill. Uh, Now, of course, we have to go through the, what is it, the the two have to come together now. Now the House and the Senate have both passed it, and then they go into committee, right, John? Yeah, and then they come out with a real bill. Right. So, but, but every single step of the way, it's the Board of Governors, the Board of Governors, the Board of Governors. The Board of Governors, it refers to the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve, which is a private institution of banks. Uh, it is not a, an official arm of the U.S. government. They will now be providing oversight over the banks. And it just kills me when I, when I see that. I was like, okay, the bankers will regulate uh, the bankers. It's perfect. So here's our president announcing how happy he is and uh, how happy he is to take this news up to uh, the global elite in Toronto. Uh, this is coming from the BBC, this uh, particular clip. Uh, we are poised to pass the toughest financial reforms since the ones we created in the aftermath of the Great Depression. Early this morning, the House and Senate reached an agreement on a set of Wall Street reforms. Is that even true? 
Didn't we have all kinds of really good reforms after yeah, the Great Depression? Yeah, but they were all taken out. Ah, but we passed them. It's just they were taken out. And, and yeah, that, slowly, uh, Clinton took a lot of them out, and you know, Bush finished the job. Right, and now Obama is uh, is setting putting up them the, back. Yeah, no, no, he's setting up he's setting up the the Federal Reserve to really run the show, which is what they always wanted. That represents ninety percent of what I proposed when I took up this fight. We someone should look at that. That's this fight. This fight. Thanks, fighter. Now, let me be clear. Let me be clear. Shut up, slaves. Listen, here it comes. Here comes the lie. Our economic growth and prosperity depend on a strong, robust financial sector. And I will continue to do what I can to foster and support a dynamic private sector. Uh But we've all seen what happens when there's inadequate oversight and insufficient transparency on Wall Street. Right. The reforms making their way through Congress. There's some amazing stuff in here. You're gonna, it's going to blow your mind, John. Hold Wall Street accountable so we can help prevent another financial crisis like the one that we're still recovering from. We'll put in place the toughest consumer financial protections in our history while creating an independent agency to enforce them. Through this agency, we'll combine under one roof the consumer protection functions that currently are divided among half a dozen different agencies. So, so, th- so this is under one roof. That roof is the roof of the Federal Reserve. It's absolutely true. Go look at the bill. Now there will be one agency whose sole job will be to look out for you. <laughs> you, little people. Credit card companies will no longer be able to mislead you with pages and pages of fine print. No, that's because they're going to shut down. I'm very worried about our bank, John. They're going to shut down every single small community and state bank that's that's what this is all about the credit card companies yeah they're going to shut everybody down you will no longer be subject to all kinds of hidden fees Uh and penalties or the predatory practices of unscrupulous lenders instead we'll make sure that credit card companies and mortgage companies play by the rules you'll be empowered with easy to understand forms so you know what you're agreeing to so you can get in debt easy easy to get in debt. You'll have the clear and concise information you need to make financial decisions that are best for you. And Wouldn't it be great if he said, we got some great ways for you to save? Wouldn't it? Uh, there's no savings involved in this, no. you can tell. No, but it would be great. But no, instead it's like, we're going to help you get in debt easier. It's yeah, we're going to help you get in debt. We're going to simplify the form. <laughs> there's not going to be any more hidden charges. Just put your ex here. Yeah, put your ex here, slave. This will be good. Debt, 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 Family. Debt. Wall Street reform will also strengthen our economy in a number of other ways. Stand by. We'll make our financial system more transparent Uh by bringing the kinds of complex deals that help trigger this crisis, like trades in a $600 trillion derivatives market. Now, did you hear that? $600 trillion derivatives market. No wonder they had to scramble. No, what what to are we save doing this, this show for? We should have been in that market. Six hundred trillion dollars. So that's that's what they're all so freaked out about. If if that really un- started to unwind, like with AIG, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Then every every institution is broke in one second. Six hundred yeah, no, trillion. That's the reason for saving them. And and this is yeah, six hundred trillion. The number keeps floating around. I am actually stunned that he'd be so stupid to drop that that number out there. No, no, no. Which, th- th- no. which would freak most people out. <laughs> it freaks me out. But it seems, I guess, nobody pays much attention to uh, Obama. And nobody paid it because I don't remember anybody saying anything. Or, we or talk, we like, talked oh about my God. What? We talked about it being about no, we talked 100 about trillion time, at least. Not, not 600 trillion. We talked about 100, 100 trillion. I think we, we talked about. 
But six hundred trillion. This is it. This is, they're so blatant now. This is the transparency. <laughs> it's like Wait, when, when are they going to get to the quadrillion? Is that the next number? I think so. It's got to be uh, after six hundred trillion. Yeah, you get to a thousand. A thousand trillion is a quadrillion, right? I'm not sure. But see, we don't even we don't even be at whatever it is. Is we're headed toward it. We don't even flinch at a billion anymore for some cops and some yeah, burning a cars. Cops and some overtime. It's a billion. If people can't fathom how much money that is it's, it's outrageous into the light of day we'll enact the vocal rule to make sure that banks protected by the safety net of the fdic can engage in risky trades for their own profit and we'll create what's called a resolution authority to help wind down firms whose collapse would threaten our entire financial system this i think that right there is unbelievable so in other words you can just go ahead, start a financial company, and if you mess it up, the, gov- the government's going to unwind it for you. Don't worry. Isn't that, uh, what do you call that? Um, what's the phrase? Bailing out. No, yeah, but... Uh, uh, Fixing. No, no, yeah, th- those are all correct. But, you know, it's, it's uh, not the moral hazard, the... Uh, there is no moral hazard, apparently. No, but it, it, he's basically saying, if you have a bank, you can do whatever you want. Don't worry about it, because if it goes wrong, then the government's going to bail you out. We'll unwind it. Other word for bailing out. That's uh, unbelievable that he's just coming out and saying this stuff. No longer will we have companies that are, quote-unquote, too big to fail. Uh-huh, exactly, because we'll just the unwind them. Because the they won't, they won't they're fail. not big enough. Yeah, they're not going not gonna, not gonna to fail. We'll just... It's bail, not fail. An economic recovery act, health insurance reform, education reform, and we are now on the brink of passing Wall Street reform. Great. And I like the, the fact that he said health insurance reform once again after passing Obamacare. Oh, yeah. That's oh, beautiful. This weekend, I'll work with other nations not only to coordinate our financial reform efforts, but to promote global economic growth while ensuring that each nation can pursue a path that is sustainable for its own public finances. Right. There you go. In other words, we're going to we're going to screw the whole world and we're going to set it up there in Toronto. And I'm coming with my gift. My gift is we're ready, boys. We've got our central bank running the show. How about you? The main forum for international economic cooperation. The G20 is the right place to discuss that. That's issues. right. Yeah, it is. And over the last few days, I hope we can build on our past progress and strengthen the global economy for a long time to come. <laughs> It's fantastic. There's no shame anymore. <laughs> Just go on and say, hey, we're screwing you. <laughs> Let's have well, a this, beer. This is it's disconcerting to me. It should uh, be. Well, I mean, because we don't have any, uh, I don't see any stabilization taking place in the economy whatsoever. There's no new jobs being created. Uh-uh. In fact, as we mentioned earlier in the show already, the whole jobs meme, they had to drop it because they were getting nowhere. So they're trying to you know, de-emphasize even discussing jobs. Uh, it's not about jobs. It's about stabilizing the, the bankers so they can you know, stay on their yachts or whatever they do with their money. They get lots of extra money and it doesn't go back to the public. It doesn't do much for the real estate market. Uh, and so everything's stagnating, except, you know, China, which is handling it a little differently. They, and we're and paying no attention to anything we tell them, uh, which is probably a good thing. And uh, it's just that it, it, it brings up the fact that Harry Dent, one of the uh, stock pickers that we talk about on the, on the Dvorak Horowitz show, 
has predicted that in August, the whole economy is going to go into the toilet and we're starting a 10-year depression, which is actually, this is the 10-year depression cycle, which should have begun in 2009. And they've been putting it off, but all this, well, all they're doing now is creating, making the situation worse with all this. Yeah, I, I listened to the, mo- the, the most recent uh, Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, and you said something very interesting that in the seven, I think it was the seventies, that it took, was it ten trillion dollars or thirty trillion dollars to uh, that they had to pump into the economy? No, that was in the eighteen fifties. Yeah, the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who's counting? And they weren't p- p- pumping it in; it was pumped in automatically <laughs> through gold, gold, right? Gold, gold, gold discovery. Yeah, right. And that amounted to a thirty trillion dollar uh, injection, and. Uh, so I was thinking that, you know, what you should do is just crank up the printing presses because it's not, you know, the idea is, well, if you print too much money, you're going to go into uh, hyperinflation. But there's no evidence of that in this economy. We could probably keep printing away and throwing money around and apparently we feel like throwing money around, hence the billion dollars being spent on cops and overtime, right. which makes no sense at all. And uh, it doesn't do anything. The, the economy is just, you know, stagnant. So here, here's how I think the plan works, because, you know, all these guys, you know, Obama's the youngest one, and he's he's just kind of like along for the ride, and he's just uh, the spokes hole for uh, for these elitists. And so I think that they're all kind of like, you know, why don't we go for it now, not leave it to our kids? Uh, why don't we start taking everybody's shit? Which is how it works in these in these depressions. And this is well, I'll give an example in Greece because now they, uh, of course, were bailed out partially by uh, the IMF and uh, basically by the rich. Uh, they've got to now come up with some cash. So you know what they're doing? They're selling off their islands. <laughs> I, I, sw- I swear. And who would be uh, rich enough to buy an island, Adam? Somebody, <laughs> somebody with a lot with some of money. banker. Bankers. So uh, the the Guardian. Why do we going to banking? Why are we do, doing in broadcasting? Yeah, we're stupid. The Guardian um, reports that an area in Mykonos. One of Greece's top tourist destinations is just one of the many sites for sale. There's even a website now called Private Island, Private Islands, is it PrivateIslands.com? Oh, PrivateIslandsOnline.com. And uh, you can pick yourself up a nice little uh, private island there in Greece. What, what, what's, what's the typical price of a, of a not a well, two, not I want a big island, but let's just say a well, medium-sized well, island with a, as with always, a couple houses yeah, on it. As always, it's location, location, location. So you can pick up uh, islands, uh, like there's one here in Honduras, which has a, a massive house built on, I'm looking at it right now, $1.7 million. Uh, oh, that's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. But if I you think look- we should get a group together of the No Agenda Knights and the rest of us. <laughs> and buy us an and island. And we should leverage some, leverage, uh, you know, a, a hedge a fund. And, <laughs> a hedge fund, and we should buy the island, and we could time, kind of, you know, split it up. It's probably, if the house is big enough, you don't even have to timeshare. You just come and go as you please. You yeah. get your own bedroom. No, the, the, this is beautiful. Uh, but but if you want something near the Greek islands, you know, then you're talking Twenty, thirty million dollars minimum, no, and and there's nothing on it, and you still got to build a house and get infrastructure in so there. So it's just an empty island. You have to be loaded to buy 220, one of those. Two hundred and twenty. Two hundred. Only two hundred and twenty-seven Greek islands are populated, but they have like uh, six thousand of them. Here we go. Um, the one point, the one thousand acre Nafsika in the Ionian Sea, uh, fifteen million euros. 
Uh, Does it have boat service? You, you can't get to these things. You, I guess you have to have. If you, have you, to, if you got fifteen million euros, I don't think the boat is going to be. Whatever, <laughs> the right. boat is not going to be the issue. Yeah, I guess. Not. But this is this is it's crazy. They're selling off their islands. This is like, oh well. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm trying not to sell off my aircraft to eat. But you know, when Greece is selling off their islands, that's pretty dire. <laughs> okay. Well, so you know, sorry. somebody finally concluded what good are these islands? Damn islands. They're just sitting there empty. <laughs> you said so yourself. So sell them to some guy's got more money than brain. <clears throat> but who's mentioned here is uh Richard Branson. Oh, Branson needs an island. He already has one. He has Necker Island in the Caribbean. Uh, does he? The Barclay brothers. Uh, of course, uh, Onassis had his own uh Island Scorpios. You know, you got to get an island and name it something really nasty. Some horrible Greek Scorpios. It's Scorpios, everybody. It's just, uh, it just blows me away. It's like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Just sell sell your country. (laughs) Piece at a time. Well, you know, our government has so much property. We're the biggest land owner in the you know, in the, the U.S. government's the biggest landowner in the USA. I think yeah. they, own, they own all the parks. They own all. Well, besides the parks, they have just huge areas of land that they own. And and they've been the, and actually they've been increasing it by, you know, wipe, you know, taking people off their property and taking it over for, you know, some environmental reason. And uh, they could, you know, start dumping that stuff, dumping some uh, big chunks here and there. It's a lot of money to be made. Yeah. Then they can just take it back public, uh, you know, using uh, eminent domain and get it back later. Right. But I think that this is kind of the, this is kind of the plan, you know. It's just like, hey, we'll just take everybody's shit and, uh, and good and riddance with you. And then we've got all the islands. Hey, let's chill out on our island. Hey, should we have lunch at your island or my island today? They really don't care. But while all that's taking place, something happening in the capital of the United States of Europe... The capital known as Belgique, Le Belgique. Did you hear about what's going on in Belgium, John? Uh, no. Well, it's very interesting. Uh, let me play you a clip from Sky News, and then we can uh, discuss uh, the response uh, to this uh, horrible. Is Daniel Citizen Hirsch looking out the He's saying nothing, but police have plenty of questions for the Catholic hierarchy of Belgium. Until a few months ago, Godfrey Daniels was the country's archbishop. But in rare scenes, religious reverence fell by the wayside as police searched not only his home, but also the headquarters of the church, even bringing a monthly meeting of bishops to a dramatic halt. Raids were carried out with regards to statements we received about possible sexual abuse of children supposedly committed by people inside the church. So the purpose of the raids was the search for evidence. Daniels has already been forced to deny turning a blind eye to the abuses of this man, Belgium's longest-serving bishop, Roger Van Galoo. It was Van Galoo's resignation in April which led to the establishment of an independent panel to investigate allegations of widespread abuse by priests. Their records have now been seized too, prompting panic amongst hundreds of people who've given confidential evidence. So then it goes on about uh, people. What? The police were like a part of it? Oh, yeah. Well, you know where the Dutru affair started, John? In Belgium. Belgium yeah. is, is the hub of the pedophile elites 
throughout all of uh, all of Europe, and so uh, they're in on the game. And what they're, I think what's happening here is they're going to expose people who complained, and that'll really shut them up. But they uh, anyway, police went in. <laughs> That's a good trick. Yeah, of course, it's the only thing that's left to do because it's so you know on the street. I'm going to interview this guy in Holland who knows so much about this. He, he now he's the guy that when I interviewed him on uh, the radio station in Holland, they kicked me off the air and took down the whole company. <laughs> so <laughs> that may be the end of the no agenda stream, but I got to get this guy on because he knows all the ins and the outs of this. And and it's lawyers, it's uh it's politicians, it it goes, you know, from uh from Brussels all the way to uh, Turkey. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And so um the police confiscated 450 according to the report, 450 files containing reports of pedophile offenses by members of the clergy that had been submitted to an investigation committee which was established within the church to deal with pedophile pedophilia cases. And of course they did that. And and and, and there's a link in the show notes that shows some of the stuff that they confiscated. I don't I can't even say it on the show because uh, I could be arrested and would have to register as a sex offender. I'm I'm almost worried to post a link to it, but I'm going to. Maybe you shouldn't. No, I should. I should. Um, But here's the Pope responds to this, and I'm going to read from Reuters so you know it's official. Uh, Headline, Pope calls Belgian police church raids deplorable. Surprising and deplorable, no less. In a letter to the head of the Belgian Bishops' Conference, Benedict expressed his solidarity after Thursday's search of two church offices and the home of a former archbishop, during which computers and files were removed and at least one tomb was opened. Belgian bishops were holding a meeting at the time of the raids, uh, were kept incommunicado for nine hours, hours while the searches were conducted. And at this sad time, the Pope says, I wish to express my closeness and solidarity for the surprising and deplorable ways in which the searches were carried out. Is that the message the Pope should be sending? Does that, <laughs> does that make any sense to anybody listening to this program? It doesn't make any sense to anybody listening to this program. But to anybody else? I don't know. I don't think anybody's paying any attention to any of this except in the local area that, and maybe some other Catholic people who are interested in this storyline. I don't know. I don't think anybody's, like I said, nobody, it's over. We have no way of knowing anything anymore. You know, at one point uh, during the Dutroux affair, uh, the Belgians came out, uh, the Walloons actually, and they had the, um, the white demonstration, and there was a million people on the streets all dressed in white protesting the... Uh, the government's lack of response and the uh, the silence. There's a great documentary that German Zoideutsches uh, Fernsehen did, German television, that I saw the other day, um, regarding the Dutroux affair. I think there's something like 18 witnesses uh, who were all supposed to testify one way or the other uh, have all died. <laughs> like one shot himself, a couple, you know, a lot of car crashes. They like car crashes there in Belgium. Oh, here comes the black helicopter. Oh, shit. Um, they like car crashes a lot. That seems to be their method there. Um, but it's just, it's amazing. I'm, I'm going to get this guy on the stream and do a, a special thing uh, because it's so confusing, and he, he's been on this for years. And uh, Miha Kat is his name. 
Good. Well, you can take a few clips from it. Uh, yeah, well, it we'll put it on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just it's just unbelievable, and no one talks about this. You know, it was it was great for a while there, while uh, it was some uh, uh, British uh, bishops and uh, and clergy and uh, and U.S. And now, oh, it's just Belgium. Uh, by the way, that's the capital of uh, United States of Europe. It's where the pres- El Presidente of the United States of Europe lives. And uh, and I think that what's happened here is they've basically... The hey, dish rag guy. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they've taken all the uh, the evidence, and they're going to out all the people who uh, <laughs> who uh, registered complaints, and it's, you're never going to hear about it again. Nope, and half those people end up dead. Ugh. It's unbelievable. You had something here on Al Gore. Wanna, yeah, talking about we, sex we, molester. Yeah, that you. story has not gotten any legs in any of the mainstream media, which, of course, we've deconstructed to mean that you know they have an agenda. Except for some reason, extra, you know, extra, extra, you know, that that junk show mm-hmm. has at least done something, even though I'd hardly call it much of a report. But you might as well play it. My exclusive interview with Bachelor Jake's coming up, but right now, another Al Gore scandal. First, it was the cheating rumors, and now, accusations of sexual assault. Jerry's got the police report and what Al's saying today. The breakup, forced to deny cheating claims, and now Al Gore's bad month just got worse. (laughs) The shocking allegation today, Gore, the target of a sex charge investigation. Extra with a 73-page police report listing Gore as the suspect. The allegation, unwanted sexual contact. The woman leveling the stunning claims, a 54-year-old massage therapist who says it all went down during and after she gave him a massage in this posh Portland hotel. She says it was 2006, one day before Gore appeared at this fundraiser, just a few months after the premiere of Gore's... Did you say something? Nope. Oh, I'm sorry. Documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. I am Al Gore. I used to be the next president of the United States of America. Gore attorneys have denied the story, calling it completely false. Now, extra launching our own investigation. Exhibit A, the case is already closed. Police shutting the book on this one back in 07, saying there was insufficient evidence. Police said they would have investigated. She never filed charges. Exhibit B, the National Enquirer says the woman only went back to police last month after she failed to sell her story for $1 million. But the most important exhibit could be DNA evidence. (laughs) One report says the woman has the pants she wore on the alleged day locked away in a safety deposit box. The question now, what should Al Gore do next? Until Al Gore comes out and talks about this in some capacity, these rumors are just going to kind of percolate and stay around. Today, a spokesman tells Extra the Gores have no comment on the report. It's pretty funny that they're pulling out the same playbook uh, when when they needed to get rid of Clinton. That they're pulling yeah. out the the sperm spot yeah. on the clothes. Supposedly, uh, it's in the safe deposit box. You ain't going into the bank. <laughs> What the heck? What, what is that stench? stench in this place? <laughs> so so I'll, I'll remain by my uh, assertion and, and general theory that uh, Al's plan backfired, didn't work. He, he, he didn't get uh, the, everyone believing in, uh, in global warming the way uh, it was supposed to happen so that we could introduce these uh, global carbon taxes. 
and and a trading system and a trade which he also set up by the way right he set it up and it caught, he probably got a lot of investors involved mm-hmm. because you know he didn't have the he's yeah ex Goldman guys actually yeah Goldman guys and uh, so now uh, it's like, he's got to uh, go he's got to go because we've got the BP uh, spill and that's the one that's really going to do it the BP spill is 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 all we need this is what's going to bring in uh, cap and trade the uh, I'm sorry <clears throat> an energy strategy. That's what it's being called now. We need an energy strategy, John. And uh, so this is going to happen uh, somewhere. The renaming, by the way, the renaming idea, it works so well. It's the they only do it way. With, I mean, they they finally dawned on I me. Mean, just keep renaming things until you get a good name. And I that think sticks. the Republicans knew this. Yeah. And they, everyone's happy. And, uh, and I, it's pretty funny, though, that we had this huge uh, benefit for Haiti. You know, everyone was, oh, we're crying, it's hor-, which, by the way, don't hear much about them anymore, do you? And then uh, CNN, blah, 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 Larry King, blah, blah, we're going to have a huge uh, celebrity telethon for uh, the Gulf. They had like five no-name actors, and he kept teasing Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, who wasn't even there live. He was, he, he was on a videotape. Uh, you know, they, they drugged the kid, say this, kid. And uh, they didn't even have, like, phone sounds ringing. It was really poorly produced. <laughs> no one gives a crap. They got the wrong guy. No one gives a crap about it. And uh, actually, I got, some, uh, I got some pretty good clips. That may actually be the meme that they want. What? That nobody gives a crap no, about nobody them. Gives, mm, I got some interesting clips here. Um, first of all, uh, about the, uh, the depth that this... Uh, we, you and I had some disagreement on that, and uh, Panorama, fine BBC program, uh, did a very uh, ooh, frightening report, uh, half-hour special, and uh, they put some of the events into a timeline, which is interesting. I've got the first clip here, which uh, talks about something that uh, happened just on the very day of the uh, explosion of the Transocean uh, Deep Water Rig, as it's called, I believe. Um, and they talk about the depth, but I think this is, is, is not even really true, but at least it's more than you believe it was. Here we go. 41 miles off the coast of Louisiana, one of the most impressive oil rigs in the world once towered over the Gulf of Mexico. It was called the Deepwater Horizon. At 2.30 p.m. on April 20th, BP's regional vice president for drilling and executives from Transocean, which owned the rig, visited. They came partly to celebrate. The rig was drilling fantastically deep through a mile of water and down into two miles of earth. So, so that would be uh, like fifteen to 20,000 feet. Now, I believe that it was deeper. I think they were closer to 35,000 feet. Why would they lie about it? What difference does it make? I don't think they actually know. Uh, but still, this is very... Of they, 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 course they know. They, they, you, if you're drilling... No, Panorama doesn't so many, know. Well, here's no, no. another one. Here's another one. You can do the math. Panorama doesn't know. They're just reporting, just But, but, but again, I'm asking the question, what difference does it make whether it was 100,000 oh, 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 feet? Oh, or, no, the reason why it makes a difference is because there's documented uh, there's documentation of the Russians who drilled down past 40,000 feet and hit a similar type of uh, mother load and they had to cap that with uh, an atomic bomb. That's why they were talking about that in the very early days and everyone's, oh no, we don't want an atomic bomb. But the Russians, and this was in 1966 or 67, 
And the pressure was so enormous that they couldn't do anything. It was on land. That's why you know, they were able to do, do something at all. But they had to cap it with an, with a, with a, an atomic bomb. So that's why it's significant how deep they were, because I think once you go beyond that, you know, 30,000 feet, you get into this mother load of, you know, the center of the earth, which could be a giant fireball for all I know. Anyway, so the, so the big bosses come on board, they chop her in. Yay, everybody, it's great. We've hit the mother load. Tapped Rich's leg. The deep water horizon was pushing the frontiers of technology. Drilling this deep is dangerous. They were celebrating seven years with no accidents. Now, if you, if, if you don't believe the Russian story, there's actually a plaque that the Russians put up to commemorate uh, what happened uh, where they drilled down uh, past 42,000 feet. Now, he, the next piece is significant because um, I've read this quote in multiple places. I've never actually heard the actual quote itself or someone uh, involved in this scandal uh, saying it outright. So, remember, on the day, all the bosses came in, and everyone's there, and we're celebrating because we've hit the mother load, and we've, we've done it, and then, of course, uh, the thing blows up, and then this happens uh, that night on board of the uh, supply ship. As the rig went down, two survivors on the supply ship heard a Transocean manager making a phone call. They relayed the story to their lawyer. Jimmy Harrell, they said, shouted at his bosses. We don't know if he was talking to BP or Transocean, but he didn't mince his words. Harrell said the disaster was predictable. He was on a satellite telephone talking to headquarters in Houston, and he was, he was saying, um, are you happy? Uh, it happened. I told you it was going to happen. I am calm. Don't tell me to calm down. The rig is burning. Do you understand what happened here? Uh, I told you this was going to happen. BP says it's aware of the allegation, but won't comment whilst investigations are ongoing. Right. Transocean says it's not commenting on what has been said by individuals. So uh, that was the quote that I've read a lot about is that, you know, this guy, and by the way, the beeps uh, are a four-letter word. Of course, you can't say that in uh, Gitmo Nation. Um, so I think the, the bosses came on board and, uh, that day and the guy was like, you know, we really need to stop. This is really not okay. <laughs> this has happened before with the Russians and we don't want to be here. We're in the mother load. We're an abiogenic oil. This is the oil that is actually recreated all the time, dispelling the myth of peak oil and that, that dinosaur bones create oil or created oil. And they knew it was going to blow, that there was a possibility. And it did. You still there, John? Yeah, no, I was just listening. And then, so, uh, well, uh, well, there's well some- I mean, this is, I think a lot of people, you know, the guy, the story about the Schlumberger guy kind of falls in with this. And mm-hmm. um, I have to look into this Russian thing. Oh, also, uh, well, I'll put the links in the show notes. I mean, this they're is not all from Prison Planet, are they? No, they're not from Prison Planet. Any. Or Rents. No, 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 no. Okay, well, fine. Here's something from the um, Washington Post, which I would say sounds a bit like a trial balloon. Uh, let me just find it here. Um, crapola. Where did I put it? Okay, hold on. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I seem to have lost... This was, this was like my... Well, just tell us what it is. We don't need to okay. Clip. Well, it is kind of important. Okay. So in the Washington Post, 
<clears throat> I think I have it here. Guy comes out. Guy is a uh, uh, an oil executive. And he says, uh, you know, we might have to evacuate 20 million people in the Gulf. Uh, uh, here it is. I found it. Washington Post. What's the guy's name? He is uh, Matt Simmons from Simmons & Co. Oil investment firm says, since the April 20th blowout, oops, I'm really fucking this up, uh, the unflagging source of end of the world, uh, I'm quoting this, the unflagging source of end of the world predictions, can you imagine evacuating 20 million people? This story is 80 times worse than I thought it was. And that's because it's not just oil that they hit. There's all kinds of crap coming up. And we talked about this on previous shows. You know, the people are dying. They're dying from intoxicating fumes. Uh, the uh, CDC, I think, is now... Oh, where's this link? I got so much here. Yes, uh, CDC says people, including pregnant women, can be exposed to uh, chemicals by breathing them, swallowing them, or by touching them. If possible, everyone, including pregnant women, should avoid the oil and spill-affected areas. What does that tell you? This is not just a simple oil spill. There's stuff bubbling up, and they hit something really massive. And uh, what what if they actually have to evacuate the entire Gulf region? Where are they going to go? Where are we going to put 20? It's probably more. 40 million people. Sounds like a good way to do a Florida land grab. Yeah, Yeah, possibly. Uh, Reports that BP is now hiring their own reporters. (laughs) <laughs> which i think is mint <laughs> yeah it's just beautiful isn't it i had a uh they got a big budget for this oh yeah oh yeah they got they're super now I don't know if, they just don't go bankrupt and, and say hey we're out of here you, you you obama you can go fix it well the whole um so there's a couple interesting side notes so of course this is the mother load and the way i see it uh, there's, uh, they're going to reinstall or reinstate the moratorium on all offshore drilling, which, by the way, includes Alaska, too. It's, it's all offshore drilling. It's not just in the Gulf. It's Alaska as well. Uh, and anywhere. And you know, off the coast of California, it all has to stop. And the only one who's allowed to continue is BP because they're drilling these side wells. Which of Wouldn't course, it be hilarious if the side wells just made it worse and they started leaking so we had three vents? <laughs> it's possible, although logic tells you that if you, have, if you drill into these, if you make these side vents, it should reduce the pressure somewhat. And BP is just going to sit there and suck it all up. And, of course, uh, this, um, this incident has caused um, insurance to skyrocket. Link in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Uh, so it, it basically cuts out all smaller competitors. The only one left will be BP or whoever eventually acquires BP if they have to go bankrupt. doesn't matter. It's just a paper shuffle. And, uh, and they'll be the rulers of the universe because they'll have all the oil that they ever need. It's all just bubbling up from the abiogenic source. So it never ends. Uh, that's, what they're, that's, what, that's why it's not being stopped because the whole plan is for BP to actually or whoever takes over BP to actually sit on this source by themselves. No one else can afford the insurance. No one else is allowed to sit there by law. They get it all. yippee Kaye. Well, that's not absolutely true. I mean, the Russians can always drill, and they don't care about insurance anyway. Yeah, but they're not, not in that region. 
No, in that region, it would definitely be uh, fewer players. So but how many players are in there now? I mean, we know there's a lot of independents. Right? I thought it was just big boys drilling that, especially that kind of a, a well, drill Well, like job. Exxon is much smaller, for example. Yeah, Exxon can afford it. Well, I think Exxon possibly would acquire BP, but it could, it could also be, uh, uh, be Shell. I thought that somewhere I had a report from the BBC, which was kind of funny. Let me see if I can find uh, if I can find that. Um, maybe not. But it's just uh, uh, I can't find it. But it to, to me, it's you know, it's, it seems pretty obvious that there's no incentive. You know, we're going to have to evacuate the whole area. And that's pretty bad, and no one is considering this. No, you know, the mainstream media, I don't see anyone reporting on the toxicity of the air and people falling down dead and, uh, and BP not allowing workers to use um, gas masks because they don't want the, the bad PR. It's just bad. Well, it's a developing story. Yeah, you Now think? they said today's news is that BP wants to start from square one. <laughs> what does that mean? That? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Square yeah, say, one? Well, you know, all these things we try, we try to do this and the hat and the could and the blade and the blob. And I think we should start over from scratch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, they're basically so where are they, how do they do that? Where, I don't know. It just seems that they're going to try, I guess, start doing the same things over or the things that didn't work. They're going to try them over again. I have no idea. Well, this is totally the downfall of uh, of Obama. Because ev- everyone who voted for him is freaking out over this. Freaking out, I tell you. And, and unfortunately, people don't uh, you know, take the time to think a little differently, which is, I guess, kind of what we try to do on this show. Because if you actually have the, the guts for a minute just to consider that what you're being told is exactly the opposite of the truth... Then you actually, you know, you can kind of flow through. At least you can give it. Yeah. Well, nobody else is going to give you opposite perspective, so you have to make it up, and then you you work with that, and you can tend. By the way, so I have a clip talking about opposite perspectives. That guy, you know, the guy wrote the book on denialism. Oh yeah, what's his name? He was on Colbert, and I didn't realize. I can see if 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 you just watch this guy, you know, there's something wrong with him. His head bobs all over the place. He looks like a Tourette's guy, uh, you know, to an extreme. He's weird looking. He's got this gray hair, and I've got this one little. And then I realize he's nuts because (laughs) play the play this to hinder scientific progress. Sell me on science. No problem. Do you want to die when you're 37 or when you're 86? I'm already older than 37, so... Okay, so you're on your way. I'm on my way, exactly. Do you want your kids to grow up or do you want them... What do you mean? Let's go back to this one. 37 or 86. How long did Methuselah live, sir? 38. That's a proven fact now. What? Yes, 38. (laughs) What? 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 Wait a minute. I never saw Colbert. Wait a minute. He's stunned. His eye, his eyebrows went up, and he goes, "What? what? Yeah, it's a proven fact. What? Who's proven this fact? Methuselah, some the character in the Bible. Is in. I mean, this shows you. This is the kind of this is the kind of nut balls are out there that are essentially in control of the media. ABC News: Vaccine refusal puts kids at risk for whooping cough. Children of parents who refuse to have their children vaccinated against whooping cough are 23, to- 23 times 
Yeah, more exactly. likely. 23 not 22 t- times or 24. Not 23%, 23 times more likely to develop the disease than children who get the shots. According to a new study from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And uh, here's the follow-up story. Whooping cough now epidemic in California. California is the epicenter of vaccine refusal in the United States. Isn't that weird? Yeah. We may run over our lesbians in, uh, in Berkeley, but at least we don't take vaccine shots. I think that's odd. I, I'll tell you why I think that's odd, because I don't believe it. California is very much susceptible to whatever uh, uh, the media tells them to do. And when they had the H1N1, I took pictures of it. It was over here in Albany. At some, Everyone was in line. They were all There was a up. huge line. This line went blocks and blocks and blocks. This is, doesn't look like people that refuse vaccines. And what is whooping cough? Can you die from that? Yeah, well, you can't get your breath. Yeah, if you're a little baby, mm. it's a bad disease. I mean, most this part of the early shots that all kids get that you know that diphtheria, whooping cough, and what and some other thing, and uh, it's not unusual for every kid to have that shot. So this, is, I don't know what they, I think. This is the vaccine meme they're trying to get back into the into the into play so they can get these phony vaccines into public consciousness, these non-vaccines that are called vaccines, I'm sure of it. There's something else weird going on with um, chronic fatigue syndrome, which is now labeled as M-E-C-F-S-C-F-I-D-S. And I don't know what the M-E is, but the C-F-I-D-S is chronic fatigue immune deficiency syndrome. Hmm. which uh, should ring a bell because that sounds a lot like AIDS or HIV. Hmm. And um, they uh, apparently blood banks are refusing people who have chronic fatigue syndrome. It's a bogus... What? Yeah. Blood banks are refusing... Hey, man, I'm tired. (laughs) Oh, get out of here. We don't don't want no blood from you. But, But this seems to be like... What is XM- no, there's something wrong with everyone. What is XMRV? Uh, how would I know? It's like a retrovirus or some sorts. I, this is, I, I wish I was a doctor. I could figure this stuff out. But apparently there's a link between XMRV, a retrovirus, and chronic fatigue syndrome. And they're relating this to HIV. And all I know is, is that people who have the chronic fatigue syndrome are now being refused as blood donors. Huh. Yeah, that's all I know. This is just an awareness thing. We might as well take a break here and talk about our donations because it's not going to take very long since we really haven't got any. Um, this is meant to cheer me up. This is a knighthood. A couple of, you have three knighthood layaways that came in, which is DUIHelp.com, Barry Wilson, and OKC Defensive Tactics. But we did get a check in the mail from uh, Rich Semmel, who... Uh, this interesting note he sent is fifty five ten two uh, double nickels on the dime. I've not been able to donate until now due to the fact that my wife and I are providing financial assistance for our two youngest daughters to help them with college and living expenses. Yes, the mission was accomplished last month with both receiving their undergraduate dis- degrees oh, and right. And they go, see, anyway, I'm still broke and don't have any money. However, my kids gave me a couple of dollars for an upcoming birthday on June 25th. I also found some money lying on the ground. I think it's the second guy who's found money lying on the ground. So cool. I'm passing along 5510 with, uh, oh, thank you. That's so with nice. some of the windfall. And that was the check that came in. 
Yeah. Check. Oh, that's cool. That's very nice. I appreciate that. And and good on you for sending. Well, we should give him school. a birthday up, uh, June twenty fifth birthday call out. Uh, well, why don't we do that? Hold on a second. All right, hit John. A happy birthday to Rich Semmel, uh, pronounced like Semmel. And he uh, gave us a, I want to say happy birthday. And he said, he also says a P.S. I, I sent a money order because I didn't want my wife to know I was sending money to a couple of kooks. <laughs> a couple of kooks. <laughs> uh, while we're at it, David Lambert uh, sent in $33.33. I guess he's uh, on his own little uh, Lucky Karma program there. And he says, I'd like to uh, give a birthday shout out to my brother, Daryl Lambert. All right, everybody. Uh, that's it. Happy birthday from the No Agenda crew. You know, curiously, even though we didn't get any money, uh, we did have, uh, and I would remind people to please support the show. It is listener supported. I thought we did a good show last time, and I'm surprised we got zero, except for our producers, executive producers. But we did have an interesting phenomenon, which is our first knighthood layaway finally paid off. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, Barry Wilson of Coffs Harbor, New South Wales. So that's twenty weeks worth of layaway, I guess. Or is it? Yeah. Or is it twenty or months? months. Twenty twenty months. Yeah. So he signed up immediately. That is well. Let's uh, let's do it, man. Let's. Uh... Barry Wilson, kneel before us. John Unsheath. Oops. <laughs> did you did you nick yourself there? Yeah, I did. I'm cut. <laughs> Barry. This is a truly a great day, and we're very proud uh, to have you as our first night of the No Agenda Roundtable as a layaway candidate. So we now officially knight the Sir Barry Wilson, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please join us here for some hookers and blow. That's great. So we should have a couple of those guys coming yeah, up. Yeah, they'll be coming in now. That's great. By the way, uh, Rings. is spelled B-A-R-R-I-E, and we were assuming it's a male. Rings. I just got to yeah. keep saying rings. Where are the yeah, rings? Yeah, I got the big note, the big thing on the wall. And, in, in, and would you please send me the picture of Mickey in the T-shirt so I can put that in the show notes? Okay. <sighs> well, I like to have it exclusive to the Dvorak Uncensored page, but I'll send oh, it to you please. today. Oh, please. So, Barry Wilson, uh, thanks. No. Beyond, now, I consider, by the way, by the thanks. way. I'm worried that Barry Wilson is, is a female name. is B-A-R-R-I-E. And she would be in the U.S. would be a dame. Yeah, Ooh. but we'll find out. Well, we can I'm always sure. dame. We can always unknight and, and redame her. But yeah. I have a feeling we're going to be okay with Barry as a, <laughs> as a knight. I mean, <laughs> odds, are in, theory. odds are in our favor. So, yeah, so the way this program works, and, and if, you, if you've listened all the way up to this point and you're new to the show, you can tell that there's no way any advertiser would ever want to be re- related in any way whatsoever to the show. We don't like advertising because, well, quite frankly, it co-determines what you can do and what you can't do. It interrupts the flow of the show. And, and it's a corrupting influence, and I would like you to play the PBS slash Big Three clip, which is the latest, the big, at the, at the end of the news hour. Oh, wait a they, minute, John. Wait a minute. You're talking about... Our national treasure. At the end of the news hour on PBS, they list every all these foundations and the public corporation for public broadcasting, and all these people that are giving them millions of dollars to do the news, uh, which is nothing like the fifty or sixty bucks we get. 
And but the big three they put right at the top of the list. That right at the right as soon as they finish the show, they have three big players that give them the most money. Before we play it, what three? Take a guess on three, Adam. What do you think might might be? I the big- will say um, Boeing, Monsanto. And General Electric. Yeah, it's good, but you missed all three of them. Here's the big three. (laughs) David Brooks, among others. Thank you, and good night. Major funding for the PBS NewsHour has been provided by... Bank of America. Continuing to help fuel our nation's economic growth. (laughs) Chevron. This is the power of human energy. That's right, we're burning you. BNSF Railway. Oh, no! <laughs> Fantastic! It wraps it up. I mean, you got your bank, you got your energy company. Chevron could buy out BP, by the way. Yeah, yeah And then could. you have... Trains. Uh, trains. Trains. Uh, all aboard! Trains good, planes bad. So you how what, do you think these guys are going to cover any of these things? Yeah, of course. They're, they're, yeah, they're going to cover lots of train news. How we need some high speed rail. That's what we need. High speed rail is good. And uh, well, we should totally bankrupt BP so Chevron can buy them. And we're protecting you with our Bank of America. We're fueling the economies. That's right. That's good. That's disgusting. It's disgusting despicable deplorable and it is the reason you need to donate not just to us but to all independent media before it gets shut down because that yeah, which should happen any minute <laughs> especially if adam keeps going on with this pedophile stuff yeah well i'd rather go down in flames it's all a part of executive order 11490 which was installed by uh, president nixon and i put a link in the show notes of this uh, puppy um, what, what, what is executive order? What is it about? <laughs> Assigning emergency preparedness functions to federal departments and agencies. This is the executive order that uh, that allows the president to shut down everything. Uh, shut, that's it. Shut down everything. Need I say more? And when you read it, you just go, what? 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 <laughs> what? what? Shut what? down everything. I mean, everything. Guns, uh, communications. Banks, everything. And, and I found this through some guy who's been fighting this since the 1970s. Um, I guess it was, 19, what was it? Uh, yeah, Nixon era. He's been trying to get this, uh, I don't know if you can repeal a presidential order. You could, yeah, you can. You just change, the, do another order. Right. But, but that, you think Obama's going to do that <laughs> or anyone? No. But it's, it's really fun to watch. And to, to read, it's just like, oh my god! They can take away your property, uh, just everything. It's it is the end of the world, and this is why. And it, it can only go into effect when there's a state of emergency. And I think we've been under a state of emergency for the past fifteen years. Situation orange. Yeah, I, I mean, like the fact that the alert level orange is now a, is, is a permanently printed sign at every airport. I know it's not even you can't even flip it to a different color. It's just no, it's orange. Just orange, one hundred percent of the time, I know. I no matter know. what. No, <laughs> just orange. Well, they're reinstating the uh, the clear program that's been bought up by uh, a new bunch of dudes. 
the funniest thing uh, when it comes to trains good, planes bad was this uh, this poor these two poor little girls uh, who were on a uh, AirTran Airways uh, from Mil were going home to Milwaukee from Atlanta, and they had a two inch turtle, and they were not. They were not allowed. They took it on the plane, but the crew turned around. The plane had the taxi back so they could unload the two-inch turtle. What? (laughs) Yes. They could not have the turtle on the airplane. Why? What's the turtle going to do? Attack a stewardess? (laughs) It's a dangerous turtle. They had to throw so it in the trash. Girl's they had to throw it in the trash, John. And, and she's got a picture of her with this little turtle. <laughs> oh, my God. Company policy bars animals and other than cats, dogs, and household birds. A two-inch turtle. Because they can what, carry what salmonella. Here it is. Because they can carry salmonella bacteria. So what? So they had to... They, the plane was the taxiing out. didn't carry salmonella and probably does. Yeah, amongst other things. AirTran. AirTran. I guess it's a regional uh, airline. Yeah, they're, they're actually all over the place. It's, it's a slipshod operation, obviously. Unbelievable. So, you know, for, but I bet you... you know, what, what is, see, this is the problem we're having with this. <laughs> the, it's the education system. Where nobody's being taught common sense or... or, or proper judgment it's like these people are completely out of control i'm glad you bring this up john because i am on a continuing mission i'm very happy you brought up the educational system so that i can work on you so um in the center point learning science one essential interaction science book which is taught at schools under the Solutions for Global Warming section, which is section 5.19, it features a photo of a big multi-engine jet, and the caption reads, Figure 1. Jet engines running on richer fuel would add particles to the atmosphere to create a sunscreen. The logo on the plane says, Particle Air. Here's the question. Could we deliberately add particles to the atmosphere, asked the text, before helpfully suggesting that burning coal adds soot to the air. That's right. We're teaching our kids about the legality and necessity of chemtrails. By spraying stuff in the atmosphere, we can stop global warming. Don't you love it? Well, I'm sure you do. So, uh... Well, we're on the subject of education. Well, and the no, fact can, that, I, can I just finish up the chemtrails? I didn't think there's anything to finish. Uh, yeah, I'd like you just to hear one short little 10-second clip from the history of the UK. 50 years ago, secret biological warfare trials were carried out in the skies and on the streets of East Anglia without the public knowing. So alarming are our discoveries that tonight's program is an inside-out special. So you need to go watch that. The link in the show notes at noagendashow.com how the United Kingdom sprayed East Anglia from the sky with chemicals and uh, it is now uh, coming to the surface. So uh, back to the 
chemtrails are real, and I will convince they're you. They're real bogus. I will convince you. Well, the first thing you said is it doesn't work. It's not possible. And I think, it, I think you I'm have sh- to do a, an, an You have to do a, a simple calculation. You have to dump so much stuff. So, but from, they did it. They did it in the United t- Kingdom, and they're teaching our kids that we can do it to combat global warming. So. It, it clearly somewhat. Yeah, if it's going to combat global warming, does I mean those particles are going to stay into this in the sky to cause a little cooling? It's not dropping down to Earth. So, the, so the, the whole premise is bogus if you're going to base it on chemtrails because you're saying that the stuff's sprayed and it doesn't dissipate up in the upper atmosphere or even at 10,000 feet. It comes dribbling down and gets us all wet. Yes, and then we're what real I'm happy because no, we, I'm saying two separate juice. I'm saying two separate things. One is. That we're teaching kids that spraying stuff in the air is going to be okay. And the other one is they have done it in the past. John, I've sat here outside on the deck of the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center and watched one of what you would call a contrail float down onto my house. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Whoa. I thought uh, you stopped smoking. Dope. I have pictures of it. And it just floated right down onto my house. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, then, how, sure. What? Yeah. Right onto my house. I even yeah, tweeted you, about you it at the time. Do you feel calmer now? I even, no, I feel sicker. You know, we're right near the What's L.A. The point of we it? Are What's right, the point of these chemtrails? Well, there's... there's. Do you want to get into it now? Oh, no, you no, know what? No. We'll talk about no. it some other time. I want to finish this thing, but I had a nice clip that was going to lead right into those idiots that, you know, the, the, the turtles. You're a denialist. And, and you Dvorak. had to talk about contrails because... Chemtrails. chemtrails. You're a denialist. You're a denialist. You're a denialist. Okay, now let's talk about your education. Nah, for a drop. No, right? no, no, no. Let's do it now. It's good. I'm, I'm good for it. I'm done. I, I just every week I wanted. I have an agenda. I admit it. And you, can we? We disagree on something, but you just don't want to have the conversation. That's not fair. So because I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done good. for today. Thanks. Very, I'm done very for good. today. It's about time. Uh, See, well, you, we you don't need to throw those little jabs out. That's not. I don't. Don't ridicule it's, me. It's crazy. That's why this is crazy talk. Okay. I'll actually give you a break on some of these other ideas of yours, but this one is just off the wall. Well, I'm going to keep coming at you with what I feel is evidence and or proof. It's okay, so I'm done for this week, and um, Thursday maybe I'll have more. Idiot supervisor on Mexico. Let's have a listen. If this was Texas, which is a state that is directly on the border with Mexico, and they were calling for a measure like this, saying that they had a major issue with... You know, with undocumented people flooding their borders, I would say I would I would have to look twice at this. But this is a state that is a ways removed from the border. Mr. Chairman, I just wanted to uh, assure my colleague that uh, Arizona does, in fact, share a border with the country of Mexico. <laughs> what? What the hell was that? Are you playing that through the speakers? It sounded terrible. This woman, Peggy West, who's a supervisor in some, you know, county called Milwaukee County. I assume it's in, in Wisconsin. But, you know, there are all these little areas that have nothing to do with Arizona are making, oh, let's stop trading with Arizona. They won't let a state do what it's supposed to do, which is, you know, create its own laws. And so this idiot comes out and says that she wouldn't mind it so much if, if, if you know, if some place like Texas, which has a border with Mexico, would p- pass a law like this, she'd reconsider it. But Arizona is deep in the country someplace, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> she doesn't know where. The guy says, by the way, we're on the border with Mexico, you idiot. So she's like, and this is a classic 
this is the education system at work and and it, and I think there's a whole a whole slew of things that need to be explored a little more and 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 the and the, the you know the the idea that kids should you know you can't lose at sports and we should you know shouldn't be competitive and we shouldn't do this we shouldn't do that brought up another another example of this came up uh, this woman Bay Buchanan who is uh, Pat Buchanan's sister and a, and a campaign uh, uh, manager type uh, har- a really interesting person she was on C-SPAN yes uh, which we watch a- so you don't have to was giving a lecture on the Mexican uh, on the Arizona law, which I have. It, unfortunately, I can't couldn't cut it down enough to to put that in. But she she brought up this very interesting point about people that she hires, and these especially women, she says, that are coming out of college today, have got a stick up their ass. They won't take a job. They won't do anything. There's a there's, this has been a problem throughout a, a number of generations, most recently, where they they think everything's beneath them, so oh, they yeah. won't do anything. And there's just going to be bums on the street if the economy collapses, which it's going to do. But play Buchanan on interns. And I'm glad that it, it was so helpful to you. Um, I find that um, over the years when I would hire um, young people like yourselves, um, that um, early on in the Reagan days, I would have people, some didn't even have you know, college education, and, and others had a college education and weren't sure what they wanted to do. But I could train them. I could say, do this, do this. And, and, and they would be really hardworking and very excited about being part uh, of this campaign and willing to do anything. But as the years passed, I noticed that especially a lot of the women, but, but, but men as well, but especially the women, there was this tendency to say, you know, I'd say, look, there's an opening. I just have a receptionist. But I always hire you know, I always move people up. If something opens up, we'll give you an opportunity. Well, I have a college degree. Uh, you know, I shouldn't be a receptionist. And I'm like, yeah, well, somebody's going to have to be the receptionist, you or me, so I think maybe you should take this job, you know? And, uh, you know, and, and then after like a month as a receptionist, I said, look, a receptionist is a great job. In the Reagan ca- campaign, you had like four or five receptionists. And then, you know, the press secretary would come by and say, I need somebody, and that gal seems to be really efficient, good on the phone. Can you move her up to my shop? You know, and, and so then she'd get press experience, you know, and someone else would move to research department. But it was a terrific opportunity to get known by the people in the campaign. And yet, later on, these women, they said, well, we were told that we should never do anything that's beneath our, our education level. And I'm saying, well, I stuff and seal envelopes, and I have a master's degree in math. So what's that say? But they just, they, and so then well, this one gal who I then made from the receptionist to an assistant to the treasurer, and she says, listen, I think it'd be better if I just worked on my own rather than be an assistant to somebody. This person had like three months from college graduation, and I, I was constantly saying, where do you think you're going? And this was permanent. This, every time I'd hire somebody, they, they felt they had this attitude that they should be in policy or something. And, um, and, and so what I would do is I'd find somebody that I could actually say, would you mind going and get me lunch? Just get me lunch because I'm dying here. I need somebody to run down and get me lunch. And if I got any attitude from them like, huh, she wants me to get her lunch, then I never asked again. But I would find somebody else. And then when the candidate was flying into town, I would say to the guy or the, the young man, or the, mostly it was the young men who were most, most willing to get me something, um, and then I would say, could you pick up the candidate at the airport? And they were like, oh, my golly, you know, private time with the candidate, you know, and I'd put them on the road in, in Iowa I, I, because I knew I could trust them. I knew that they'd had the right attitude. They would work their heads off. They wouldn't complain about what they needed, needed to get done. And that's what you need to do. And, and so my feeling is, and the, and the message I give to young people, uh, interns and all, is learn everything you can this is a fascinating point which i um 
I have witnessed firsthand, you know, we've hired a lot of people. I've hired a lot of people over the years. And this the difference even between the mid-90s and the past couple of years is astounding. That's what she says. Yeah, and, and <laughs> that's what she said. And... The, and I, uh, I will have to agree um, that a lot of female candidates who I have hired or have been hired uh, in my companies, uh, or even uh, people we've spoken to uh, in Los Angeles for you know some work um, assisting Mickey with some stuff. Um, it's amazing where if they have a degree, usually it's in marketing. And you're like, well, you know, so basically you're going to have to help with, uh, you know, and it's, a, you know, one or two days a week maybe, you know, help with the receipts and sort some shit out and uh, fix my calendar and, you know, stuff that she, that she, she Mickey, and he's like a sex in the city uh, assistant. And they're like, well, yeah, but I want to write the marketing plan and talk about the pillars of the, like, what, what? And they, and they don't actually, none of them actually want to do any work. And I no, have noticed No, they want to be the boss. Well, this, there's some thing that's... and This, this has happened in the schools. That, like, yes, the, she, I agree. There's one little line she has in there. She says, I was told that I shouldn't work below my, you know, whatever I perceive myself as. Right. I was told by who? Or that you have some, some right, if you have gone through college, you have the right to get a certain job, and you don't have that right. Who told them that, though? This, the this schools, been, the schooling system, of course. Yes, but when did it start and who is responsible? Because she says that it just started a few couple of years ago, just the way you saw it. Yeah. Like maybe two or three years ago, yeah, this yeah. began in earnest. I mean, I've seen it before in California. You've seen this forever. Well, let me take a guess. Um, I, this probably, st- the a lot of these people started thinking about going to college right around the dot-com, uh, the height of the dot-com. I'm just, you know, maybe a little bit after. But there were still, even past the bubble bursting, uh, well into 2003, 2004, there was inflated job uh, compensation levels, people getting cars and cell phones and huge salaries. And of course, that wasn't sustainable and companies just had to cut back on that and it just all kind of stopped and certainly in the past few years. But these kids were in college and you know, and I guess their, their college funds were already filled up and everything was paid for. But they went in thinking that, oh, all you need is a degree, a degree in marketing, preferably, or marketing communications is my favorite. And then you're guaranteed to get some high-paying job with flexible working hours and, uh, and, and, uh, and a lease car and a cell phone. And, and I think it's partially the milieu that was around when they went into school and then Schools, which are all most of them now commercial institutions, saying, hey, you know, you come in here, you get this degree. Look at all these candidates. Look at how great they're doing. So you think you have some kind of right. And these kids are young, impressionable. They don't know any better. And then you learn marketing, marketing communication. Remember, those who, who can't do teach. The marketing communications degree to me is always an eye roller. It's a bullshit. It's a total bullshit degree and my daughter who did not go to university well she went to university for a little bit and studied drama and hated it and uh you know and now she's working she's working 40 hours a week and uh and she gets it and she knows what she has to do and she has no illusions but she also doesn't say acts we have we have people in this world who can't eat, who don't, can't even master their own language now i can't i can't speak for other language well i can i can speak for dutch and for english and people don't even know how to speak the English correctly, the English language correctly anymore. They have no vocabulary. 
It's everywhere. Let me ask. It started with let me ask you a question. Remember that, John, when that started? And then it, it's it, been a while. It's yeah. always been around. Mm, it was pretty bad. It really started six, seven years ago. No, Axe, I remember when I was in college, and that really? was a ways. Really? Well, yeah, that's, that, well, that was. It's a, part was of the Ebonics thing. But uh, it's just, and people can't spell. No. Nah. No, they can't spell. Many aren't well-spoken, uh, which is what you're getting at there. And <laughs> which, also, which, I, which I have a hard time communicating myself. Apparently you can't get to it. <laughs> and, then, and, there's the, and then there's the vocabulary issue. And we have people at the Mevio office that have a vocabulary that is really probably around 2,500 words. <laughs> Max. Really? Max, let me ask you a question. Yo, let me ask you a question, yo. It has to start and end with yo. That, that, yo. That's, that's how you... And, and let me be clear, yo. No, it's uh, it is uh, it is quite sad, and you're right. And they're all going to be, well, they're going to be working one way or the other. Cart. They're they're not going to be. You know, there's a bunch of these people that did get jobs. We work with them all the time. I mean, they they they're these they're all kind of a certain age. They apparently got they got a position of of importance. They have no salary, but they have a position, unfortunately, of importance. And you have to deal with them. They're at they're at companies everywhere. They're often the go to person you have to communicate with. They're snotty. They're jerks. Uh, they think they they run the place. <laughs> Why do you even bother going to the office anymore if you hate it that much? Well, I'm not talking about our office. I'm talking oh, okay. about people in speakers bureaus and other <laughs> think people that we have to deal with on a day to day basis. The people at the office are fine. Uh, they just have a limited vocabulary, but they're not snotty. Right. But the point is, is that every place else you run into these people, and there's this group. And I think if you think about it, the office doesn't really have, except in the bookkeeping department, that many women. Uh, of that age, they're all right. more mature females, right? But if you have, if you started hiring a bunch of these young twenty-somethings, you'd have this this infusion of this crate of these of these females. And Buchanan, being a female, is critical of it. So I'm not going to sound like a sexist here, but it's mostly women. And they're extremely snotty and rude, and they think the world owes them a living, and they're they're essentially ruining the country. But they work cheap, and these companies, you know, well, she's working cheap. We just give her a big title and some responsibilities, but she's not charging us a lot. Right. All right, so we have no resolve for this. And, uh, no, there's no resolve. It's a pet peeve. Right. Go. Oh, well, I should have played. Too late. Do you have another Buchanan clip, or did we skip that? I get that. I'd like to play the other Buchanan clip, which is kind of interesting, but let's, we can play it uh, now, or we can play it after the show. It's a, it's a kind of a commentary on uh, Obama in Mexico and where the whole thing stands. This is not the clip I'm putting together that actually discusses the Arizona law, but this is kind of brings up a couple of points that are, uh, un- are interesting enough to uh, play, if you want to play it. You know, the first thing you do is acknowledge who the enemy is. And and then say, you know, no. Now, it could be it could be somebody like a Mexican government. They're not our enemy per se, but they're taking action that's against our interest. And so as uh, friends, as neighbors, we go down there and say, no more. Get it? No more. No mas. 
you know, you may have a problem down here. We'll come down and help you. Maybe we can work with you to, to help you build businesses down here. Maybe you should never have signed NAFTA since it took out your farmers. But let's not go into that right now. But you do have a problem. Like we were helping them with the um, war down there, the drug war. But you got, to not, you got to say to them, look, you can't just take our people to the cleaners because you have a problem. That's not acceptable. We need to start fighting for our own. And that's where I think uh, the, the president made a huge mistake when he let the president of Mexico come over here. And together they criticized Arizona. Excuse me, that's our team. You, you're the captain of our team, and Arizona is our team. We're against that other guy. He's no right to come into our country and criticize anybody in this country. Get it? And that's, but this is happening everywhere, and, and, and it goes to the same kind of thing that you're suggesting. Somehow, no longer to talk about a war on terror. Well, what are those guys doing, anyhow? Who are they that are trying to blow up our planes? You know, once you recognize who the enemy is, you can establish a plan to win, to beat, or at least to protect those that you have been assigned to protect according to the Constitution of the United States, the American people and American property. Is she just, uh, I guess she's uh, one of the people who received the memo that it's time to bash the president. She's always bashed the president, though. Well, she's coming to the forefront now. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people doing this. I like her, her, her approach. If you're not willing to that and you're going to be befriending all these people, and meanwhile they're undermining you in their own um, policies within their own country, uh, that, that is a very weak, weak position to take, and it weakens this country terrifically. A lot – this country has great power that comes from the words of the President of the United States. There's great power that because behind him stands an ability to follow through with that which he says. When he backs off, we are weak. When he speaks strongly, he sends a message that's very, very clear. Then they have to think twice. Hmm. What could be the consequences if we violate what he has just told us? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and so he has, without question, weakened the United States, made, given us greater exposure uh, because they do not believe he will take serious the threats. He will consider them individual crimes rather than a, than a, a war. She sounds just like more of the, the other side of the left-right paradigm, you know. It's well, She's definitely not in the middle. I don't but like she, her. But she jumps all over the Republicans uh, probably as much as she does. She, about not in that clip. No, I know. That's why I chose that clip. <laughs> not in that clip. Hey, I qu- like that clip. Quick news from uh, Gitmo Nation Lowlands following up on uh, a story that I mentioned with the Jews as bait uh, to bait out racial uh, anti-Semitic behavior in uh, the Netherlands, Gitmo Nation Lowlands. The, uh, uh, of course, they still don't have a government there, John. They, uh, they had the vote on uh, June 9th, and the Queen has still not received, and the Queen, uh, mind you, the ceremonial headmaster, she's actually in charge. The Queen has still not uh, come well, to the decision. she's in charge, and they don't need a government. Yeah, what they do. They need something for people to believe that they have some democratic process. It's apparent that they don't need a government in that country. <laughs> well, yeah, everyone's fine with the World Cup. They're all happy. Uh, anyway, uh, Ernst Hirsch Balin, who was the Minister of Justice, but of course he's not really the Minister of Justice anymore. He's just acting as one until the new government comes in, the new fakes. Uh, this, uh, by the way, is also a guy who uh, I believe is, uh, there's enough evidence against him that he was also a part of the pedo bear uh, conspiracy. Uh, he said, you know what? I think it's a good idea. We should have uh, 
undercover police agents on the street wearing yarmulkes to uh, <laughs> to, to root out people who uh, show anti-Semitic behavior. <laughs> I can't stop laughing about this. They will have undercover police officers. And what do the cops say when they're trying to pull someone away? Oi! Oi! <laughs> this is great for... I can see a TV series like... Uh, <laughs> these guys, undercover cops, and then they're just walking along with their yarmulkes, and then when someone says something nasty and anti-Semitic, and then they whip out a gun and arrest them. <laughs> and, they're, and they're doing this. The uh, Lok Yoden is what it's called. Bait Jews. It's an actual meme now in the Netherlands. Bait Jews? Bait Jews, yes. Huh. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. This is just out of control. I, I, I can't believe it's happening. It's just, what more do we need? We got some well, problems. <laughs> well, talking about Jews, I ran into this interesting little clip that I've got uh, uh, Beck, Glenn Beck on the weekend had M. Stanton Evans, who has this book, by the way, and I'm alert to book club. This is probably a book we should be carrying on the uh, book club list. Blacklisted by History is the name of it. It's the, uh, apparently a, an untold story of Senator Joe McCarthy, which takes a kind of a different stance than, than we're taught to take in the United States based on our education. Uh, but he had this, he, this guy, Stanton Evans, did a lot of research for this book and found that a lot of stuff was redacted. It's old stuff. Uh, because apparently during the 50s, and it was semi-well documented, there was a lot of communists in the government, a hundred of them at least, supposedly, that uh, it turns out that most of the documentation when done way after the fact. It turns out that much of this is true. But he came up with this very strange uh, account of the of Roosevelt at Yalta, which I don't know quite what to make of it, but is, is interesting enough. Yalta, you said, or Malta? Y- Yalta. When he was meeting with Stalin uh, during World War II. And it's, it's got these, apparently a piece of this thing has never been, it was just kind of taken out of the history books. But the original document is still at the, one of the colleges and he dug it up and, and this is the clip right here, Roosevelt. Nobody wants to believe um, that there were people in our government that were bad. You can believe in individuals, but you can't believe this mass kind of this cover-up. There are hundreds. There are hundreds of them. You showed me a document. Can you bring this again? Yeah. Tell me what this document is. This well, America will horrify you. This is what this is, Glenn, is a, a record of the so-called Yalta Conference. This is long before McCarthy came along. This is 1945, where Churchill and Roosevelt met with Stalin at Yalta, which is a resort on the Black Sea in the Crimea. And this is the transcript of what or the minutes of what happened at that meeting. An official version of this was published, but the paragraph that I'm going to, maybe I'll give uh, it to you to read, yeah. uh, is about Roosevelt is saying to Stalin and Churchill that he is going to meet with the king of Saudi Arabia after this conference, King Saud. And Stalin asked him, does he intend to make any concessions to King Saud of Saudi Arabia? And I'll let you read what the answer is for the arrows. The president replied that there was only one concession he thought he might offer, and that was to give him the six million Jews in the United States. <laughs> yes. That is, where is this? Is a collection? Where, where is this from? That is from the uh, papers of Edward Stettinius, who is the Secretary of State. At the time of Yalta, those papers are at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. 
That paragraph. What does a, he mean by he'd give? Well, one might think that he was a closet anti-Semite, but I think it also suggested maybe he was a little bit gaga. And this is there, at the end of. This is real close died, to the end of. He died two months after Yalta, uh -huh. and so he was. There are many other indications that he was out of it, Yalta, but that. It's one of the clearest ones, and that is edited. That's no longer in the official records. Okay. You have to go to the archives to find that. Wow. He was two to the head? That <laughs> was pretty odd. Yeah. Like, um, you know what's well, interesting, John? What, what I find uh, fascinating is uh, while we were talking about this, now at any point did I, anything I just said, in the setup to this clip and uh, the report from the Lowlands, did anything I say sound anti-Semitic to you? Not really. I'm just reporting a story. Yeah. And the chat room immediately, there's at least five people like Adam is Jew hater, Adam is anti-Semitic. See, this is the problem. And we talked about this on Thursday's show. You can't talk about Judaism, Jews, Muslims, Islam. You can't talk about it because it is always someone who jumps up and and immediately calls you either anti-Semitic, calls you uh, an Islam hater. This is, this is the problem. This is exactly the problem that we're having. And it blows me away that people in, in our community do this. It just blows me away. Well, we had uh, like a nasty note come in because we ran the long clip by the British author of The World Turned Upside Down, who claims that the uh, all this left-leaning uh, uh, initiatives, environmentalism, uh, global warming, all the rest of it, uh, is part, and, and is Islamism, which is obviously a Jew-hating uh, uh, mechanism, uh, is all anti-Semitic, and she produced her argument, which included uh, Richard Dawkins's book, uh, The God uh, Myth, or whatever he calls it, citing the fact that, you know, he specifically targeted... Nobody ever targets Allah, by the way, if you ever noticed. No, because they're afraid, because they get their fucking head cut off. Right. And uh, so they so he targets the, uh, you know, the Hebrew God, as he likes to put it. And she just pointed all this out in a very... And she... I really don't believe she's Jewish and needs to defend herself. And, and, and of course, there's also the curiosity that Jews themselves tend to be, you know liberals uh, in movements that are anti-semitic in some deep way and she just points this out so we get read the riot act with all this which essentially is media propaganda you know a lot of people will say well you know the this turkish thing they dropped these guys and they you know it became a bloodbath on this turkish boat and what's turkey you know i'm thinking what's turkey even doing there what do they got to do with it and we find out that they're cozying up to iran because, yeah, because it's going to become an islamic state and, shortly and and they have uh, the oil pipeline deal with russia Right, and there's a bunch of you know other geopolitics involved, which they don't and want immediately. But they just they bite on the uh, well, it's you know on the Jew hating, and I find it's very you know interesting that it, at the drop of a hat, and there's a, and I think a lot of Jews have to admit, you know, there's a lot of people that just hate Jews, and they. Uh, and it, it it seems to be okay. I, I mean, I, I don't think so. No, absolutely uh, and and not. We get notes from people that say, well, you ran that clip from that crazy woman, and she's full of crap because the Israelis are you're trying to take over the world, and they run Washington and all this other bogus bull crap. No, worse. saying and dancing, uh, you know, the two guys are supposedly, you know. No, 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 worse. A genuine truther. A genuine truther would know that it's the Jews who are doing this. Like, What? What? I, I don't want to blame any religion, any any group, whatever. But if we can't talk about it, 
This is the problem. You don't have this discussion anywhere else but on shows like this. That's true. And, and you know, the, things like the Bernie Madoff story. Well, now it turns out that Bernie Madoff wasn't even Jewish. <laughs> really? I, did, I didn't hear that one. That's funny. <laughs> He just really? exploited the Jews. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, oh my but anyway, you know, these things are uh, part of the mix. And uh, it's, you know, it's an interesting situation. Um, I mean, I've been in the mid- to the Middle East a couple of times. And I have not, uh, I have not, uh, I have no, I have more sympathy f- to the Israeli side of the equation than I do just based on your experience there. The win- I don't care, even the most liberal state in, in the Middle East, like let's say the UAE, uh, Dubai, you know, the women are all covered up and you can't see their face. They don't, they don't just cover it up with burqas. You can't see anything. It's just a big, and with black, so they have to cook inside these things because the temperature's 100. You know they're wearing, like, hot lingerie underneath it. Yeah, I'm it's sure true. No, it's true. It's true. No, yeah, yeah, it's absolute fact. Yeah, so, science uh, is in. The science is in. So, and, and, you know, so you just see this kind of, uh, this, this, you know, I, I mean, if people want to just let all the women, I, well, of course, we just discussed these female interns and that wanted to rule the place. We should cover them up with burkas. Off. All the all interns from now on, you have to be covered with a burqa until you, <laughs> until you sh- until you get some sense knocked into you. You, so, you have to uh, wear a burqa I mean, and be my, my receptionist, and you got to pick me up and get me lunch. And then maybe then men maybe will give you some real responsibility in the company. Now, on another front of screwiness, where does the NSA, you know, why why are we seeing it? And this is a CIA attack on the NSA. Play, play this PBS teaser for this upcoming Tuesday's Nova show. Inside the world's most technologically advanced spy agency, they tracked Al-Qaeda to this command post in Yemen. They were monitoring the Al-Qaeda leader long before 9-11. Yet overlooked terrorists in the U.S. hiding in plain sight. You could have almost seen the motel in which the hijackers were living. How did the NSA miss 9-11? None of this information is in the 9-11 Commission report. The Spy Factory on Nova. Oh, that's awesome. So now it's the NSA's fault, huh? Yeah. That's great. And this is PBS, our national treasure. Yeah, yeah. So PBS is going after the NSA. And again, of course, the stooge in this is that guy. You've seen this guy before. I can't remember his name, but he shows up constantly. He's that funny-looking-faced guy who's ex-CIA, who's always bitching and moaning about how poorly this was handled. He's on everything. And, I, you know, I, he's just a... I don't know. Oh, what, what's his name? I don't know who you're I referring can't think to. I his name. You'll see, if you watch the special, you'll see him, I'm sure, over and over again. But, but by the way, so now the science but, is in that the, the Al-Qaeda headquarters is in Yemen? Uh, that's what, that's it, what the clip said? That's what the clip says. Yeah, I know. This is, a, it, this is an attempt to target Yemen again. Yeah. But, so this, there's a lot of mysterious stuff going on. And why is the NSA being targeted? And I believe it's being targeted by the CIA. Well, that would make sense. But Why? Hmm. I mean, what kind of little battles are going on that we're, we're unaware of? Well, there's certainly something going on. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't have an answer to that one. And usually I'm quite snappy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I, I just watched this. I was like, what? <laughs> well, we'll have to watch the show. Yeah, we on will. PBS, soon to be funded and by the government. No, I think it's a Nova show. It's not like Frontline, which is a reporting show. This is a, it's like a science show. Oh, wait a minute. Science! science! science!
Hey, I got uh, just to have something funny on the show here. Uh, Joe Biden was in, uh, I think, Minneapolis. And uh, fight me. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this. It's a good report. Vice President Joe Biden is reminded that he's at Cops Frozen Custard Shop, not an ice cream store in Greenfield. Moments later, he's in the back, scooping custard for cones and taking a few licks himself. So I'll, I'll have to read along since the audio is so bad, but they have it subtitled. Uh, cops manager says, uh, uh, Joe Biden says, what do we owe you? Cops manager says, uh, don't worry, it's on us. And the manager says, lower our taxes and we'll call it even. A few minutes after the cops manager's comment on lower our taxes, there's another exchange. Say something nice instead of being a smart ass all the time. Afterward, the manager told us he enjoyed his banter with the vice Thank president. It was, it was very nice. He, uh, he's got a great personality. <laughs> it's, it's like he's got a great personality. You, 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 out of the frame, you can't see the gun sticking in the guy's neck as he's being told to say that. <laughs> he admits the vice president didn't seem happy at first about the lower our taxes comment. I don't think he liked it, but then later on he whispered and he goes, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So the guy says, hey, lower our taxes and you don't have to pay for the ice cream. The guy says, why don't you just shut up? Don't be a smart ass, slave. <laughs> shut up, slave. Don't talk to the vice president like that. I'm Joe, man. Shut up. Shut up, slave. Well, I've got a clip here that at least might finish the show, which is um, we're starting to see it. This, this is going to really escalate in the next three months or four months, uh, which is the association of marijuana with violence mm, yeah. and uh kind of a kind of a just a very slight negative take on on marijuana and of course the, the, this report does beg the question as to why the volstead act which became a, a constitutional amendment was was necessary for the illegalization of uh, making alcohol illegal why we why we don't need that for marijuana, but uh, play the Shepard Smith dope report. Oh, my favorite. Shep Smith, everybody. Hey, you know, John, when I was high on marijuana for 10 years, every single time I smoked that joint, I wanted to go out and beat someone up. I wanted to go kick some ass after my nap. Of the effort to legalize marijuana in California say it could lead to more crime. <laughs> and they may point to yesterday as some evidence. Police in Los Angeles say that two workers at two separate medical marijuana dispensaries were killed. <laughs> we're told the motives in both murders appear to be robbery. No word yet on whether they were connected. So as folks across the state gear up for no member's vote, incidents like that are just highlighting the, another aspect of the debate. Dan Springer's in Seattle with this. Hello, Dan. Well, hey, Shep, and partly because of the violence you just mentioned, uh, this is important to people even outside of California. Consider that in 1996, Californians were the first to okay medical marijuana, and since then, 13 states have passed similar laws, and two are voting on it in the fall. But even if the state of California goes that green, the big question remains, what will the federal government do? The Obama administration has, in fact, preempted federal law here 
regarding medical marijuana and allowing the states the autonomy to do pretty much as they please. The president has directed his administration to leave medical marijuana alone, so long as those involved are following state law. And Attorney General Eric Holder ended federal raids on dispensaries last year. As a candidate, Senator Obama stated a doctor recommending medicinal marijuana is no more inappropriate than prescribing morphine. What I'm not going to be doing is using Justice Department resources uh, to try to circumvent uh, state laws on this issue. But legalizing it could force the White House to reconsider that approach. The current drug czar, former Seattle Police Chief Gil Kurlikowski, has refused to say how the federal government would respond if the initiative passes, but has said he believes it will create more problems than it solves. We will have more criminal justice costs, more social costs, and that the taxes, whatever taxes may be collected, and that's a very vague number, uh, wouldn't begin to pay for those costs. Pro-pod advocates believe the administration will continue to look the other way, but others aren't so sure the state laws and federal laws will still be at odds. And people believe because it's so easy to transport anything out of California, including pot, that Congress and the president must ultimately act. Shep? Oh, yes. Dan Springer live in Seattle. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shep. Yes, yes. Okay, so this idiot who's a drug czar obviously doesn't want to lose his job. No. And, he, and I don't, nobody, nobody who has done any research on this topic has shown that it's going to increase crime or costs. In fact, it will reduce costs. Half the people in jail in California are on drug-related charges. Yeah, for smoking it, a joint. They come in the SWAT team and kill your dog and put you in jail. It's ridiculous. Can I, uh, and can not I call to mention it? the cost of these SWAT, like you mentioned, because we talked about the SWAT teams before. But this whole thing is, this is just a big, I mean, there's no, there was no reporting on this. There was no, there was no listing of any, of any research. It was, a, it was a smear job. It was a, it was a shameless, which is why I don't like Shepard Smith or anything he does. That show <laughs> really? is just is that, the, is that the only reason? <laughs> Besides the fact he's an annoying jabroni? Well, I don't like him or the show. So and, when, the when fact is, that they would do this report, which was obviously just a smear job, uh, yeah. with, it was just ridiculous. When does this uh, anyway, come up for vote? It, when does this come up for vote, John? In November. Okay. Can I call it right now? Sure. Pot will not be legalized in California. It's not going to happen. Uh, I, in fact, uh, we will see a new form of bracelet that uh, alerts the authorities when you take a toke. That's where this is going. It is not... Yeah, yeah, you're going to have a bracelet. Yep, the Lindsay Lohan tokathon bracelet. Oh, yeah. This is never going to be legalized. It will not happen. 50 bucks, it will. 50 bucks, you're on for 50 bucks. And remember, we still have a $100 bet that we'll be at war with Iran uh, before the end of the year. Right. Right? Okay, so I just want to make sure we're on. Now, uh, something else nice happened... Uh, and I'm reporting from the White House blog. The National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace. This is coming. This is really great. And everyone, the science is in. Everyone agrees as a part of the president's, El Presidente's cyberspace policy review that uh, we need to have a centralized registration system. I'm paraphrasing now. Uh, which will be run by the government, and uh, there's a draft proposal out there now, which is put out by the Department of Homeland Security. So essentially, you will need a license to be on the internets, and it will be a central authority housed with the United States government 
where you have to register before you can do uh, basically do anything online. It'll start off with shopping, and then before you know it, you want to post something on a forum, and you won't be able to do it anonymously. You'll have to use your government-approved ID. And you can go to the National Strategies for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace website and weigh in on this. This is a public commentary uh, period right now at uh, nstic.ideascale.com for three weeks. Three whole weeks, mind you. Which, of course, is uh, right during uh, vacation and World Cup and all this other stuff. The Department of Homeland Security will be collecting comments from any interested members of the general public on the strategy. So before it comes law, before it becomes law, please go to the website, link in the show notes at noagendashow.com, and and put your useless commentary there because it's not going to make any difference. It's a coming in. So I've got the, uh, you have no comment on that, huh? No, it just, I saw this story when it came through and it's, I, I'm not buying that it's going to get very far. I like the idea that it's, it's kind of a threat, but not quite, uh, you don't think that they can force this, uh, in, I mean, it's, it's easy to turn it into a law. Yeah, but it's just, they've got enough problems. They've got enough on the plate besides worrying about this sort of thing. Yeah, but this is an essential part of the strategy, I think. I think yeah, it's really but, you important. Know, they're going to have an economic collapse on their hands to deal with. They're already having enough trouble. So what do we do to prepare for this economic collapse? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Put your head it's between screwed. your knees. <laughs> but there's one thing you can feel good about yourself. I would recommend you go to your browser right now and type in father- fatherhood.gov. Ooh, yes, I've seen this, actually. This was a part of Father's Day. Fatherhood.gov. Okay. And then you want to go down to Quick Tips. It's the National Responsible Fatherhood Clearinghouse. Oh, this is where you can pick up good dads. <laughs> this is the clearinghouse <laughs> for dads. Okay. I'm down here. Media highlights? Is that where, you, where I'm supposed to be? No, Quick Tips. It's on oh, the Quick left Tips. Of that. Yes, Quick Tips. And then yes. you can click on any of those tabs. It takes you to the same page. Oh, really? But I like fun. Fun. Games and activities. Okay, let's see. And you click. It takes forever for some reason to get to this. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Uh, on this page, activities, websites, online online games, yeah? Yeah, and stuff like you can do things with your dad. Uh, well, this is the wrong page I got on. But there's a bunch of things. There's a green, the green tab, is the one which is actually the funniest. Okay. And with I, recommendations. I, I have a green dad? I can be, tips for parents. Yeah, tips for parents. That's what you're looking for. Okay. Taking time to spend with your children always pays off. Get involved in and even the And by the, the way, the picture ways. on the previous page shows the whole family with, with 3D glasses on. I have no <laughs> idea what this is. Which has now, again, been proven to be detrimental Harmful. to children's health. <laughs> Right, so yeah, yeah, arm your children, wear 3D glasses. Green dad tips. Turn off the water while you brush your teeth in the morning and before bedtime. You can save up to eight gallons of water a day. What does that got to do with anything? (laughs) Many electronic devices and appliances use power even when they're switched off or not in use. You can save money and energy by unplugging items when they aren't being used. You know, this is fun, John. I can't wait until my daughter comes to visit and we can review all these fun tips and we can go through the house... And we can uh, do all the things the government is suggesting. For Father's Day, let your family know you would like to share a family activity rather than receive gifts. Oh, please, give me a gift. Instead of collecting another tie, wow, this is bad, take photos of yourself and your children enjoying your time together so you can be registered as a sex offender. 
Eliminating wrapping paper and taking digital photos generate less waste on Dad's special day. Oh, brother. <laughs> it's just <laughs> terrible. The whole thing is like this. We go down further. Buy compact fluorescent light bulbs. Yes. Which last about five years and use less energy. What has this got to do with fatherhood? <laughs> don't you want to be a good dad? John, don't you want to be a good dad? You have to be. Bring your own bag to the grocery store. Hey, kids, come on. Let's go grocery shopping. So I go to this store that Monterey Foods and some of these other places around Berkeley where they, everyone brings their own bags. And these bags are contaminated with they're grimy. These women, they pull these bags out and then they have to, mostly women, there's a bunch of guys too. What am I thinking? There's a bunch of hippies and, you know, unreconstructed <laughs> hippies and crazy looking hippies. people. And, no, and they bring say. a bunch of these huge bags. They're not huge. They're little dinky bags and they stuff all this stuff inside these, you know, little uh, bags that are all grimy looking. <laughs> And it's and then you know and they have to stuff it because so so in other words it hangs up everything so time is money but except with these people so they stuff these grimed out bags with food and they don't bring they don't put any of the food in plastic bags by the way they they just take like they buy a bunch of apples individually and they shove the apples in there because the plastic bag is a bad thing so you got the and then they go and then because for whatever reason they have to pay in either with a credit card or something because for god knows six dollars and 95 cents needs to be paid with a credit card and if they do bring out money then they it's usually an old lady and she has to go through her purse you know and find the extra penny because it came out to six dollars and 87 cents and she's got six dollars and 86 cents and so she She's digging and digging, and this could take a half an hour. Right. And she finds the penny and puts it down, and then she's done. I mean, it's enough to make you crazy. So that's, that's kind of nuts, though, that people who uh, won't take plastic bags are happy to use plastic money. It's kind of weird that way. Yeah, ironic, you mean. Yes. So let me uh, run a couple things by before we get out of here, John. Just a few things I think are uh, noteworthy. The Environmental Protection Agency is now officially classifying milk as oil. As it contains a percentage of animal fat, which of course is a non-petroleum oil, um, farmers are uh, now in, in even more trouble than they already were because they have to develop and implement spill prevention plans for milk storage tanks. What? <laughs> yeah. The Federal Clean Water Act requirements of course, were meant to protect the environment from petroleum-based oils. However, the EPA is now classifying a milk spill equal to that of a oil spill based on the spill prevention control and countermeasure regulations. This is that creepy woman that runs the EPA is doing. Yeah, what's her name again? This is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so farmers are freaking out. Farmers alone. No, they're they're supposed to be shut down because, uh, oh boy, I loved this one. The next time we go out to lunch, John, if we take some of our value for value money that people uh, give to support the show, which of course actually supports us, uh, it is quite possible that we will be eating genetically modified salmon. As the FDA is now... I don't even like farm salmon. The FDA is now seriously considering whether to approve the first genetically engineered animal that people would eat that would be salmon that can grow at twice the normal rate. The developer of salmon uh, has been trying to get approval for a decade, 
company now seems to have submitted most or all of the data the FDA needs to analyze whether these salmon are safe to eat, nutritionally equivalent to other salmon, and safe for the environment, according to the government and biotechnology industry officials. What happens when they get out into the wild and start breeding with the other salmon? Look, then you should get involved in the debate, John. You should... uh, The public meeting to discuss the salmon may be held as early as this fall. Uh, But this, of course... I thought you were going to do a whole thing on genetically modified uh, insects and stuff today. What happened to that? Well, I guess we ran out of time. Yeah, along with the rings. The rings and the education special. (laughs) And the book. (laughs) And the book. And uh, the Los Angeles Times jumps on the uh, assault, which is the way I'm categorizing it now. Uh, This is the uh, part of the Codex Alimentarius, the food regulations and laws set up by the World Health Organization, now law in the United States of Europe and soon to become law here in the United States of America. Give it up, Americans, says the L.A. Times. Just go ahead and cut back on salt, you slave. The opening paragraph is my favorite. Salt cigarettes. Salt cigarettes. Don't see a connection? You will. In fact, you might as well start reducing your salt consumption now. Not only would it improve your health, you're just going to be nagged incessantly until you do. (laughs) On Thursday, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention joined the You're Consuming Too Much Sodium Chorus, releasing an analysis of salt consumption data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which, of course, is from the Academy of Sciences, which is paid for by the government. Uh, The high point, overall, 9.6% of all adults met their applicable recommendation limit. Everyone else got too much. And actually, they wind up this uh, article with kind of a funny line. Uh, Don't want to be hasty. Rather wait for more alarming data. Hope all those doctors and public health officials will change their mind. Fine. But when you ask for the salt shaker at a restaurant and you're sent outside to the patio or maybe the street corner to season your food, don't say we didn't warn you. It's not even. Well, at least they have a sense of humor yeah, about it. Yeah, but it's unbelievable that it's, it's just now it's just being said. It's the same as cigarettes, salt cigarettes, salt cigarettes, salt cigarettes. Same thing. It's exactly the same, John. Don't you think? Science is in. Uh, I yeah, it's identical. In fact, <laughs> I'm surprised they don't mix the two. I might be. I'm going to put some some salt in my uh, in my tobacco and smoke it. And. Um, under the under the um, cover of the World Cup, which I guess finishes up in the next week or two. So while everybody's, even our chat room, people who listen to this show are like watching the game, all thinking it matters. The European Parliament is on the brink of concluding the bank transfer in, uh, information sharing between the U.S. and the United States of Europe. This is going to happen. Uh, it will pass the European Parliament most likely on July 7th. Uh, this is part of uh, SWIFT, the uh, Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, where the United States uh, essentially will be able to look at all transactions made um, with the Gitmo Nation East and the United States of Europe. And uh, essentially, your unelected officials have sold you out and, of course, this is all under the guise of detecting terrorism. Well, we'll see when we watch that special on Tuesday. Uh, which special is that? On Nova, with, about the NSA. 
Yeah, but th- this has nothing to do with the NSA. This is just this is just the. I think it does. Mm. All right, Ed, do you have uh, like a couple of clips left which seem inviting? Is there nothing you want to? Well, there's a couple. I mean, we could do I, the one's a retro clip, but you, if we might as well do the real news thing. We haven't done anything, so we might as well play the lineup. Well, hold on a second. I... And now back to real news. Yes, this, I see the lineup. All the news put into one little <laughs> clip on the extras, just their teasers. They always they they consolidate everything. Most of the stories are in the teasers, and we discover that except for Jerry Seinfeld and Lady Gaga, there's no real news this week. That that's Have distracting. You asked for a I, I still think love it. Any chance for reconciliation? The jealousy, the betrayal, and inside the bedroom. A relationship is more than sex and intimacy. Today's big rumors. How many girls is one of Bachelorette Alley's boyfriends cheating with? And Tiger Woods' alleged mistress number one's bikini and golf vacation. Seinfeld versus Gaga round two. He's not the only one the little Gaga obsessed right now. Ellen Raw in Chicago, her new special. Will like blow your mind in a good way. Plus, Salma Hayek's gravity-defying dress and the snake dance seen round the world. Yes, we're up to date, John. Nothing, yeah, a, nothing going a, on. A week, 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 week. <laughs> Lady Gaga was on Larry King again. He must have a thing for her. Yeah, hey Gaga, I want to do you. Hey Gaga, <laughs> Gaga, I love just saying Gaga, uh, Gaga. God, and finally, good. we didn't mention anything about McChrystal, and there's kind of a. This is one of many summaries of the of the mainstream media's reaction uh, use and use of the word brilliant. Uh, <laughs> no, wait a minute. I thought it was amazing we, last week. It was amazing. Now they it's all, brilliant. They all got in line, and they, it was a brilliant move because, of course, anything Obama does is brilliant. brilliant. Yes, and this is just brilliant. a few of the clips. Brilliant. I tell Sounds you. like a pretty brilliant decision, really. This is nothing less than a stunning development, Brian, and quite frankly, at a quick glance, almost brilliant. Politically, in this town, uh, it's it's going to be seen as a brilliant choice by the president. Politically, a very brilliant move uh, to tap General Petraeus. I think he took swift and decisive action. I think that's how it's going to be read. Well, this was really brilliant. <laughs> they all got the same memo again, huh? Yeah, talking points. Just brilliant. Use the word brilliant over and over. Yeah, we no need, one we will need notice. To do I got a clip for the uh, end of the show, which uh, is perhaps best seen rather than heard. Uh, it's from The Daily Show, who I agree with you are, are back on a tear. Uh, now that uh, John Stewart, of course, uh, I, he's basically given up on Obama. The guy's smart. I know the, John Stewart, I know the guy. I work with him. Smart guy. He got screwed. In a number of ways, and uh, and of course his ratings were dropping because he had no enemy, and so now he's just deciding, you know what, I might as well get on the anti-Obama wagon here. And uh, although this is not about Obama, this is about the World Cup 2010. I don't know if you saw this, um, but he sent uh, what's the British guy's name? Yeah, the British guy, John Oliver. John Oliver. He sent. Uh, he was down in South Africa, supposedly. No, no, he was really in South Africa. Well, he was there for the early part, but he, but Stewart mentioned that he's not going to stay there. They brought him back, and so all this is all green screen that that he's that you're looking at. No, I, maybe we're talking about something different because he's there interviewing vendors outside. Oh, okay, so, okay. So I think that was when he when he was when he first made the trip. Okay. No, no. no. So um, and this will be we'll do it right after the closing credits coming up in a second. Uh, he went down to the World Cup, and of course. 
the uh, there's a zone around. Yeah, no, I did see this. This is quite funny. Yeah, it, it, it's. I think it might be better seen, and it's you got to listen carefully. So essentially, it goes outside of the zone where there's Coca Cola. It's like a mile away. Yeah, it, and, and and but John Oliver is funny. He's like. Yeah, isn't it great? He's talking to these guys who want to, you know, uh, expose people to traditional African food. He's like, well, yeah, but does it come with a toy? And the Africans, the South Africans, they know what's going on. They're funny. They're laughing like, oh, dude, you're you're so right on because they're smart. They're really smart. They know what the fuck is going on. And it, and the vuvuzela, and the, he's sitting on a soccer pitch with kids way outside in the boondocks, and he's pulling out all this licensed stuff, and they're laughing and talking about just how ridiculous it is. Well, apparently when he was in the Coca-Cola area within the mile... He got kicked out by security. Yeah, yeah I got kicked out the for guy, harassing yeah. the Coca-Cola folks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you're not with the program, okay? This is not how it's supposed to work. You know, we're licensed. We're licensed to sit here, and we're good. We're Coca-Cola. We rule the world. We are the children. Hmm. Ugh, wrong one. I always do that. Well, my friend. I think that covers everything except electric cars in China, which we can put off till went to Thursday. Okay. And uh, on Thursday, right after the don- donation segment, I will once again have some proof for you regarding uh, the reality oh, please. of chemtrails. You, you keep revisiting this. Let's get back to aliens. There's flying saucers. It's so much more interesting. We shall see. All I need is one governmental document, because that's what I did with earthquake machines, and you'll be on board with me, right? That's all I need. I just need to come up with, with empirical proof, right? It depends on the document. Okay. Working on it. Yeah, keep working. <laughs> all right. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center located in Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California, where we're holding on to our guns in the morning. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, the home of the denialists, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday for early morning service. And remember, value for value, support the show. Go to Dvorak.org slash NA. We need your help. There's no other way we can get it. Until then. We'll meet you on No Agenda. The entire world, except obviously for France and Italy, is ablaze with World Cup fever. But what does this World Cup mean to Africa? John Oliver finds out in his first dispatch from South Africa. A land known for its stunning vistas, magnificent wildlife, and all the sounds of nature. And now, this. The first African World Cup. The first World Cup held on African soil. To learn more about this landmark event, I headed to beautiful Johannesburg to meet the spokesman for the World Cup committee. This is the first African World Cup. This is going to put Africa on the map. On the map. And they've made this World Cup as African as can be, starting with the official song by a local artist named Shakira. Shakira. What tribe is she from? Well, she's not actually uh, African. She's Colombian. African, Colombian, doesn't matter. The point is, she's not white. Yes. She's even honoured Africa by performing in oil face in her videos. This is Africa!
But that was just the beginning. Outside the stadium, it was an explosion of African culture. Brought to you by Coca-Cola. From the beverages, to the food, to the traditional African hand-carved FIFA ballpoint pens. They even provided the local street vendors, who'd been working the stadiums for decades, with their own special zone, conveniently located nowhere near bothersome customers. FIFA has imposed one kilometer radius from the stadium. Street vendors would not be allowed to trade. People that have been preferred in this World Cup will be the McDonald's, the Coca-Colas and all these European companies. Then you will tell me, what is African about that? Well, let me put it to you this way. What's more African than the subjugation of black people? <laughs> right? We don't eat hamburgers as South Africans or as African people. We want to entertain the visitors with the local food. Does any of that food come with a free toy like a little plastic leopard kicking a football? <laughs> it sounds funny, that question to me. Do you know how much South African government, our own government, has contributed to this World Cup? About $5 billion. We need medication, we need hospitals, we need education. What is primary here is for us to find a way of earning a living. Clearly, he was ignoring all the local jobs being created, like World Cup security agents, to protect Africans from being exploited by having their views heard. Can I see the permit? As they impounded our cameras, I realised the organisers had struck the perfect balance. You don't want to make it too African. Not at all. You want to give people just enough Africa to intrigue them, not so much that it terrifies them. Of course. What you do is you pick what you want and you leave out what you don't want. And the one thing they did want... This is going to be the noisiest World Cup. Right. Because of our cultural instrument called Vuvuzelas. Right. If you're not used to it, get used to it. This is the instrument that they will like when, when they come here. They will, they, will, they will hate it in the beginning, but at the end of it, they will go... Why wouldn't they like it? It's ridiculous. It's not noisy. There's nothing irritating about it. <laughs> There's nothing irritating, but at the end of it, they'll go home, they'll miss it when you go back to the US. Even as I reveled in the World Cup spirit, it saddened me to think of all the Africans in places like the infamous township of Soweto who wouldn't get to experience it. Then, as I played with a local Soweto team, laughing and enjoying the game that had brought us together, I knew I had found the true spirit of the African World Cup. And I realised how I could give it to them. Let's show them what Africa is all about! Yeah! 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 FIFA licensed snow globe bought from a licensed retailer. That's, yeah. Hey, okay, okay, okay. I've got something for you. Soy blend scented candles. Come on, that's, it's relaxing. This is going to get you. This is the one I've been holding back. Boom. Come on.
explained to you the importance of the licensing system. Ah, they'd get it someday. Later that night, as we watched the opening game in a Soweto Shabin, and as we saw South Africa score the first goal of the World Cup, bringing joy to an entire country, I had to admit, this African World Cup might not be perfect, but it's absolutely amazing. Now, if they would just stop with those f***ing Vuvuzelas. Whoa!